where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is? Huh? Pump day! Sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Everything that's wonderful is what I feel when we're together. Brighter a morning, than a lucky penny when you're near the <laughs> Matthew Rocchio is just dancing up a storm here this morning in the studio. On Hub Day, it is April 19th. It's a big day. April 19th, 2023. And the Cardinals' offensive woes are solved. Brooke Grimsley, <laughs> Carrie Davis, Randy Carricker. It's great to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. 7 o'clock time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Am I wrong? No. <laughs> offensively. That's how offensive woes. I mean, well, Wilson Contreras' offensive woes have been solved. I think he is, uh, you know, he had that bloop single a couple of days ago that kind of, he was exasperated, like, oh, yep. oh thank you, finally. <laughs> and now he's driving the ball out of the, out of the park. So, yeah, he, he has started to figure some things out. And Goldie figure some things out. Mm-hmm. Guys are, are slowly but surely coming around. Thank you. It's, it's, uh, I, I see what you did there. See, Brooke, aren't you so happy? Yes, of course. I mean, it doesn't matter what happened early in the game with starting pitching. Oh, no. oh man. There's, there's, there's nothing there's wrong rhythm-wise with the Cardinals right now, where for some reason one day the offense will be good and starting pitching's bad and then vice versa. You, I don't know. Starting hmm. pitching is improved when the fundamentals are executed and mm. when you can conduct a simple rundown play that you learn oh, no. in the that, little league. That matters. No. This is the second or third time, second time yeah. for sure, that we didn't get a runner out uh, or that, well, that we didn't execute the rundown properly. Last time someone scored, this time, well, someone scored again, didn't they? If you, <laughs> if you give the, t- the other team outs, yeah. they're going to take advantage. Yeah. Especially when they have a hitter that can play cricket and hit the ball <laughs> after it bounces. Uh, now, we can we can be mad about the starting pitchers or the starting pitching and, and and maybe Jordan Montgomery not getting if you throw a ball that bounces a foot in front of home plate and the guy hits it off of the ground for a double. Who you mad at? Like, sometimes luck is in your favor, sir. And it was unlucky for Montgomery and, and clearly the Diamondbacks came, had a little horseshoe in their, in their back pocket. Yeah, that I couldn't even believe that that happened. It, everybody looks shocked that that even happened. I don't know if I've ever seen it. But at the same time, too, I, I'm, I'm going to have to say Montgomery looked a little shell-shocked out there. I mean, oh, yeah. a six-run fourth inning... Yeah, it was, it was it was it was not great. And the Cardinals actually thought, and we all thought, with Montgomery on the mound, that things would go well when Goldie stepped to the plate in the first inning. 
one out in the cards first. Swing, high fly ball, belted left, at the track, at the wall. She is out of here. A long home run, Paul Goldschmidt. Then the Cardinals extended their lead with a Newt Bar infield RBI hit in the second inning, 2-0 Redbirds, but back comes Arizona in the third. Rojas with an RBI hit, and then Walker with an RBI double in the fourth, and then after the Cardinals had failed to execute the rundown, Nick Ahmed stepped to the plate, and this happened. Nick reaches down and dunks it into left field. Walker's home, Longoria's right behind. McCarthy flying into third, and Nick Ahmed has a stand-up two-run double. And that's the play we were talking about, and Chip Carey on Bally said he went down to get it. He literally, he, he golfed it. He, he, he Cricket. Don't that, yeah, doesn't yeah. the ball bounce? The bounces, is it a yeah. ball? Well, whatever it is, it yeah. bounces in cricket. Like he, he hit that ball after it bounced mm-hmm. a, a foot in front of the plate. And like I said, sometimes it's better to be Lucky than good. Yeah. I, he was he was very lucky on that point. In that, it, in that point. I mean, are we all in on that? There's some curse going on right now with the Cardinals because that was weird, and there's been a lot of random weird things are happening. Or is this more of just something's off, rhythm wise? Here's what I'm thinking. If you want to say a curse, it's the curse of Mike Schilt. And a lot of times when you have a very well-drilled, fundamentally sound team, no. and the leader of said team is gone, slowly but surely. The and this happened after Tony Larusa left too. The fundamentals that were ingrained for such a long time tend to deteriorate. And this team, while the numbers are good defensively, if you watch the games, they aren't great defensively. They clearly aren't a very good base running team. I, I would suggest that if you want to pick a curse, that would be the one. And it's not necessarily a curse as it is. They just aren't as good fundamentally. Mike Schilt had the George Kissel book. Literally yeah. had the George Kissel book and executed it to a T. He was very detail-oriented. Mm-hmm. I mean, very, very much so. Yep. It, so, it yeah. is interesting. Yeah. It, it's, and it's it's not something that happens as an event. It's a process. Kerry, you've seen it all over sports. It's it, We saw it with The Greatest Show on Turf. Mm-hmm. And we, we love Mike Martz. But the details that my, uh, Dick Vermeil instilled over the course of time they deteriorated. Same thing happened when Tony Larusa left and Mike Matheny took over. And as detailed as you want to be, there is an art to teaching the fundamentals. Yeah, you can be as athletic as as you know some of the most best athletes in the world, but if you don't follow the fundamentals or 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 do the technique properly, eventually you'll start to see you know little little lapses here and there where things aren't taking place. You talk about the rundowns. You got to get the guy out. You got to get you got to get an out in that situation and. Uh, I think Montgomery played it exactly well. He did mm-hmm. the, the right thing. But you just got to get the guy out. And, and and unfortunately, when you start to see little lapses, small things always generally become big things. And I wonder why a third baseman that you developed and played third base throughout your minor league system in Nolan Gorman is playing second. And another guy, Taylor Motter, yes. is playing third. Thank you. I, I just like... Uh... There's some moments that are really head-scratching to me. And maybe, and I was thinking about this last night, is this kind of the whole rhythm thing that we keep talking about and something just feeling off, is this because there is too much depth where you're having a lot of movement and putting guys in different situations? I mean, you're seeing it with the outfield, with the log jam, and it doesn't seem like there's a lot of consistency there either. And maybe possibly that's the case for other positions here too. I think sometimes... With analytics, you look at the numbers and logic kind of gets away. Common sense kind of gets away from you. 
And the logical move, I think, for all of us, you play the third baseman at third and play the yes. utility guy at second. Now, maybe the Cardinals think that Nolan Gorman is a better second baseman than he is than Motter is. But I would I, I would do two things. Number one, tend to have the guys at the position that they are best at. Yeah. Uh, and the the other part of it is maybe they think Gorman is the better second baseman, which would be tragic if he's a better second baseman than Taylor Motter. But you also want to build up the middle. And I don't know if what the case is defensively with with Motter. I know that Gorman is clunky. He, he the, I was told last year when he was in the minors that he, that his defense was clunky. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. Yeah. It just you know it, it's it's he he's not Tommy Edmond over there. Right. So, anyway, that, that is where the Cardinals are. By the way, they did come back after Gabriel Marino hit a home run on the next at-bat. Carlson chips away with an RBI hit to make it 7-3. to Longoria makes it 8-3, but back from the Cardinals, Contreras with a solo homer, an RBI ground out by Burleson. And before the night was over, the Cardinal catcher had another home run. Driven toward right. That's well hit. That's near the pole. That ball is gone. It was. It made it eight to seven, but that's where the Cardinal offense stopped in the ninth inning, and they fall by a score of eight to seven. And as was mentioned, yes, the Cardinal p- pitching left. Whenever you allow eight runs, I would say that you probably have pitching that leaves something to be desired. It was not an ideal night for Jordan Montgomery, and he did pitch with some bad luck, but he still allowed ten hits, seven earned runs, struck out two, and that's not Jordan Montgomery-esque, and allowed that home run. Didn't walk anybody in his four innings. Stratton came in with a with a career-high 48 pitches. Chris Stratton goes two and a third. It's another one. I don't really get. Uh, Jojo Romero goes one and two thirds uh, and uh, Jordan Hicks. Allow run. And Jordan then, Hicks then Jordan, came in. Then Jordan and, Hicks and, came oh, in. There we go. Yeah, go. He, he, he did it. what he needed to do. Yeah, Low leverage situation and that, they, they oh. did it. So Chris Stratton, you got a game today against the, the Diamondbacks and then a day off tomorrow before you start in Seattle. My guess is that you aren't going to be able to see Chris Stratton until Saturday. Yeah, probably. I mean, Randy, I, I'm just it, I'm not so I, I went into yesterday thinking, okay, pitching, pitching, pitching. Oh, pitching has to do this. I, I'm, I'm, I still think they can perform better. I, but when you are two for nine with runners in scoring position, mm-hmm. this Cardinals team is not getting the hits when it matters most. You got two men on base. You got bases loaded. You got multiple situations where guys are not driving in runners. There's a situation, I think it was Motter, where we need you to hit the ball to the right side of the infield to get the runner over to, to, to third. Situations like that, with I think it was zero, it was no outs at the time. Situations like that, just simple baseball. Even if you have to sacrifice bunt and get it down the first baseline, do something that is in the correct way. You talked about it, the fundamentals, mm-hmm. the minor details of the game. That's what is needed in order to be successful. If you're not able to do those things, if you're going to pull the ball to the left side, well, the runner's not going to be able to go. Right, he's, right. he's going to have to sit there. So just the minor details of the game, moving the runner over. I don't know how many sacrifice flies we've had this season. I, I Off the top of my head, I don't recall many. Um, but just the, the simple parts, aspects of the game, are, are what's needed right now. You should be able to score in many different ways, yes. to your point. And it feels like we're not seeing as much of that. I did like, obviously, the ninth inning rally there. Yep. A lot of that having to do with Wilson Contreras, who, like we said, luckily seems like he's kind of coming to form. But here's my question to you guys. Do you feel like you're seeing a lot of individual plays on this team right now rather than just a full team game? 
And that's yes, but that's that's <laughs> unfortunately the way baseball is, as Ron that's Washington used to say. Go. That's how baseball go. <laughs> but it is it's a shame that you can't get players to play a team game, to, to sacrifice themselves for the betterment of the team. Well, it even you even look at the dugout sometimes and it's just quiet. Yep. And I know that last night, Ollie said that Paul Goldschmidt told him, hey, I have a feeling we'll be able to come back. Luckily, they were able to rally there. But at the end of the day, it's another loss. It's, an it's another loss. And you could just tell that it feels like the energy in some ways is off. I mean, even I brought it up goofily, you know, what was that last week that they need to have like a celebration that dug out like the other right. teams are doing. Yeah. But it seems like you just you're missing something energy wise. Yeah, it really does. And I don't know where that comes from. So the Cardinals lose 8-7 to seven to the Diamondbacks, play the finale today, 12-15 over at the ballpark. NHL playoffs last night, Vladdy Tarasenko getting the Rangers going with their first goal. They took care of the Devils 5-1. to one. The Lightning trampled the Maple Leafs 7-3. to three. The Jets over Vegas 5-1. to one. Vegas the number one seed in the West. And the Kraken knocked off the Avalanche. Surprise Colorado 3-1. to one. NBA playoffs. Celtics rolled the Hawks 119 to 106. The Cavaliers took care of the Knicks 107 to 90, evening that series at one apiece. By the way, Celtics up two games to none. And Devin Booker with a big night for our Phoenix Suns as they beat the Clippers <laughs> 123 to 109. And finally, they found a way in the second half to quiet Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, I mean it was uh, you, you Kawhi was was doing Kawhi things mm-hmm. as he has been. I talked about him being a two-way player. When healthy, probably one of the best players uh, in the NBA. They're gonna have without Paul George there. It's gonna weigh a lot. Is gonna weigh on him to figure out if he can can get it going. If Chris Paul can knock down some shots, which he was able to do last night. Uh, you know the Suns are the better team, but I think Kawhi might be the best player in the series. I just have to say, I know that we skipped by NHL playoffs, but mm-hmm. Vladimir Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly mm-hmm. scoring for their new teams last night. Also, they got them, right? yeah, that Maple Leafs game, too. I, I don't know if you guys saw they did like a crowd shot of the reaction. The Maple Leafs, I think we all know their curse of getting past the first round and <laughs> losing that game. The look of the fans faces because they I mean, they got beat by the mm-hmm. lightning seven to three. Yeah. In that game one. That is not a great way to start things out. No, we, and we know about being cursed. you got to do special things to end the curses. <laughs> we are off and running here on 101 ESPN. That's Brooke. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. And coming up, a third run through the rotation. Got a rude awakening last night. Are we taking this bump in the road with one start out of 162 games in stride? Hope we are. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Walker sends it to left center. That will get down. Guriel's on the move. There's no throw, and we're tied at two. An RBI double for Christian Walker. Nick reaches down and dunks it into left field. Walker's home. Longoria's right behind. McCarthy flying into third. And Nick Ahmed has a stand-up two-run double. Moreno gets it up into that win. Gabriel Moreno, get out of here! They have broken things open in the fourth inning, and it's 7-2. And the Arizona Diamondbacks went on to beat the Cardinals last night by a score of 8-7. to seven. And I, I kind of have a feeling that 
because I never saw anybody else do it, that Jordan Montgomery is not going to be great every time he pitches. And he's been really good for the Cardinals. And last night clearly struggled. And I th- one of the things that I think we have to keep in mind is that these are not your uncle's Arizona Diamondbacks. This is, as it turns out, they put together a pretty good team over there, and they're in first place in the West. They're they are ahead of the Dodgers. They're ahead of the Padres, who spent all that money. Diamondbacks are playing well. So if we're going to rate this, it, we're on April nineteenth. So if the season's going to last three weeks, Diamondbacks are going to win the World Series. Oh, if, if you only got two or three more weeks left, yeah, you got a couple months. You got three, four months left, right? We got till uh, August. Yeah, so, so I, we got we got plenty of time. Yeah, to figure things out. I, I, Randy, I'm not so much. Again, I'm not so much concerned, uh, as concerned with the starting pitching as I am with the timely timely hitting. Mm-hmm. So there's a situation, second inning, bottom of the second, when we scored our second run. You get uh, O'Neill doubles to left. Uh, Carlson walks. Motter walks. You got bases loaded. Tommy Edmond pops out. Then you get the infield single where, really, Motter, I don't know why Arizona didn't challenge it because after he ran off the bag, he was out. So now you got to see if, mm-hmm. if uh, was it Carlson that scored before or, or whomever it was that scored before he got in there, new bar. So, but you still got the bases loaded. You still got another chance. You got you bases loaded with one out, bases loaded with two outs, and you only get one run. So if you look at that situation right there, you're up two to nothing, but you could have been up four to nothing. You could have been up five to nothing. And now that changes, you know, the 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 entire game for the pitching staff. Right now, instead of you worrying about things, they're pressing a little bit more, swinging at balls that may be out of the zone, trying to make big plays. That situation changed everything for for the Cardinals it, just right there. That second inning where you have bases loaded with one out, bases loaded with yep. two outs, and you only get one run. That's part of the reason why this Cardinals team and this pitching staff is struggling. And you mentioned one name, and if you, you you hate to put it all on one person because a lot of people are struggling, but Tommy Ebbin this year is one for 16 with runners in scoring position. He's hitting 0-63 with runners in scoring position. It's just not happening for a guy who historically has been a pretty solid clutch player for the Cardinals. But when you're only one for 16 with runners in scoring position in 18 plate appearances, hard to score many runs. Well, luckily that uh, that one was Sunday, mm-hmm. so that was a big moment. Like, yeah, I was kind of hoping. Was, it was the <laughs> I, one they I was needed. hoping yeah. that that would kind of restart things for Tommy Edmond. But for me, I think when you're talking about timely hitting, it's about getting in a rhythm. And we were we were discussing this during the break of if you have a lot of guys and look, competition is typically and can be a really great thing. But at the same time, if you know I don't have one productive day, I'm going to get benched the next day. What do you think you have a lot of guys who are doing looking out for number one rather than more of the team aspect? Well, I, I do think that that is the case. I don't. But who do you think is feeling that way? I mean, who's worried? It, it, whoever's in the outfield. You think Jordan Walker's feeling that I way? Think, other than Jordan Walker, because it seems like O'Neill's playing a lot. I, other, other Jordan Walker, might, but depending on how his next couple of starts, mm-hmm. how his next couple of games go, he could be one of those people that could be worried about that. I think Dylan Carlson does. I think uh, Newt Bar will be. I think obviously Alec Burleson is. I think those three guys and. and Tyler O'Neill, when he had his issue a couple of weeks ago with the mm-hmm. not running out uh, the 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 throw to home, I think the, all of those those four guys every single day are are wondering about at bats whether or not. I don't think Nolan Gorman is. I think he's the DH. You you are comfortable with him being there. Obviously, Goldie and Arenado, they're fine. But that outfield, yes, and and 
Tommy Edmond is is fine for now because there's nobody else to play shortstop. Mm-hmm. And until somebody else comes here that can play shortstop with a rocket for an arm, then he'll be starting to worry about it as well. Well, and also, too, just touching on the starting pitching, of course, Jordan Montgomery was really good. He was your most consistent starting pitcher, I felt like, going into that game. But I don't think anybody – there's a ripple effect, right? When you have a six-run fourth inning and you try not to internalize that as a hitter, but then you know, wow, this is a pretty big hole to dig yourselves out of, then you have that moment where you have guys pressing and pressuring themselves a little bit too much, too. But I will say, highlights last night, Wills Contreras – And also the bullpen. I think Jordan Hicks, that was a really, really good game for him. And it was much needed because I felt like that performance in the top of the ninth is what led to that big comeback in the bottom of the ninth. They found his role. Yes. Pitch the top of the ninth inning when you're down four runs. It ended up being being a high leverage moment, right? There you go. It worked out. (laughs) It ended up up being a very important uh, inning for him because of what happened. Uh, yep. After that, right? now, I'll right. say this: the 2005 Cardinals, and, and I know that this is just one snapshot, but the 2005 Cardinals had three really good outfielders, starting outfielders, and Reggie Sanders, Jim Edmonds, and Larry Walker. But even in that year, and no DH, so Taguchi played the outfield all the time and got 424 plate appearances. John Mabry played the outfield and got 274 plate appearances. Uh, you had uh, J Rod, John Rodriguez came up and got 176 plate appearances. There are plenty of at bats to go around, and if if you are worried that you're not going to play every day and you're letting that affect your performance, then shame on you. You just go out and perform, and don't even. If you're a good team and you have a lot of players, everybody's going to try to. Everybody's going to get opportunities. You don't want to have a situation where you only have three outfielders and you don't have anybody else that can play. I think it it, it boils down to what Brooks said earlier a, a few minutes ago. It's it's about doing for what's best for the team as opposed to doing what's best for you. If I'm looking at uh, uh, my stats and. If at the, I'm at I'm at I'm at I'm at the plate. Mm-hmm. I got a runner that needs to get the third. Well, if I drive it, if I hit it to the first base side, he gets the third. I I actually did my job. But in, in when it's time to get paid, there if I go. hit a double, that job looks that much better because not only did I get him to third, I got an RBI because he scored. So there is a a I think there's a mindset of yeah, this will help the team. But I got to look out for me, and I got to look out for myself and take care of myself also. If you have a runner at second and nobody out and hit a ground ball to second to move the runner over to third, that doesn't help your war at all. No. Carlos Correa went to the uh, Astros front office and said, hey, how do, I, how, do you, how do I increase my value for teams? And you don't see any team play on Carlos Correa's part because that's one thing that analytics killed is team play. Because little things like we're talking about right now don't benefit the individual in terms of the way he gets valued by baseball. Which is why analytics stink. Yeah. Another day, another day that we're campaigning to get rid of analytics Just in some, all sports. Some parts of it. Like, <laughs> if, if if you're telling – Edron James said this. He said in his contract he had the more rushes he had, the more money he got. It was four-minute four offense. You're supposed to mm-hmm. run the ball, get tackled inbounds, stay inbounds, and run out of bounds. I get more carries. Yeah. More, yeah. more opportunity because that's what you put in his contract. So if you are – 
if you have certain stipulations for how guys get paid, don't get mad when guys try to go well, attain what's going to get them paid. Here's the other problem that you run into in baseball now, the average salary. Average salary in baseball is $4.9 million. So even if you give somebody a clause that says, okay, for every team win, you get $50,000, but you're making $5 million anyway, and your next contract, you can get $10 million because you hit the ball over the wall rather than hit the ball to second base to try to help your team win? There's no way that you could ever put team incentives into baseball contracts right now. Then, yeah, and that's what I – and look, I should. I feel like I should take a shot every time that we say this, but it is really early on, but I think it is fair to be concerned in the way of – I felt like used to when you'd watch Cardinals baseball in a lot of ways. It was like watching a chess match, right, where it, you felt like – there was a lot of different moves made and there was a little bit more awareness of kind of the situation, situational hitting, timely hitting, you know, all that different kind of stuff. And this early on, it just feels like something is off. And Brooke, to your point, we all, we've always said, hey, a week can change everything. Well, now the Cardinals are six games behind in the division. Yeah. So now you don't like to see, and nobody likes to see that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it you it's nine guys playing yeah. an individual game instead of nine guys playing a team team game. If you want to win baseball games, do the right thing. Sacrifice. Get the guy over. Hit the ball to the right side of the infield so you can get a runner to third with less than two outs. Do the minor detailed things that are that are going to be required for you to win games as a team. Because Randy, here's the thing that I do know. People that win, generally teams that win, the players on those teams are the ones that are going to get paid when they're playing mm-hmm. high, meaningful games, playoff, you know, important games. People, more eyes are being able to see you. And when you thrive in those moments, that's when you really get paid. And look, I, I felt like we said, too, very early on, is like, okay, you're playing some really good teams, yeah. really good offenses, mm-hmm. really good starting pitching. You know, we said that with the Blue Jays. We've said that with other teams. And the Diamondbacks, they are really good, but... I don't think that comforts a lot of people in a lot of different ways because what are you going to face in the playoffs? The best and the best. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I can you really compare mid-April to the 1st of October? I mean, it's it's a different You would at least like to see sport. something yeah, it's, going the on. The teams will be different. I just I, I've never seen even the the 98 Yankees who were so good. They were so different in October than they were in April. Mm-hmm. But at this time, it, well, no, 90, 97 when the Yankees won the World Series. Uh, no, I, they didn't win in '97, did they? They the, they won in '98, '98, '99, and 2000. Yeah, but when, but that that particular Yankees team at this time of year, Mariano Rivera sucked, and Joe hmm. Torre had to bring him into his office after he had blown like four saves in a row and say, "Hey, you're my closer. I don't have anybody else, so it's going to be you, buddy." And then he went, <laughs> reeled off like 15 <laughs> saves in a row and became Mariano Rivera. So. Uh, I would be really surprised if the Cardinal team that they fielded last night was the team that we saw in Game 162. I would hope not. Yeah. No. For the sake oh, of yeah. everybody. No, so. <laughs> and, and by the way, the Braves are 14-4. and four. I would be surprised if we saw the same Braves team on the 1st of October. The Brewers are 13-5. and five. I'd be surprised <laughs> if we saw the same Brewers team. And the Diamondbacks are 11-7. and seven. The Dodgers nine, are, are a 500 team. The Padres are 8-11. and 11. Cardinals are 7-11. Padres are 8-11. and 11. Cardinals are... Uh, Right there with the Padres. We all suck. (laughs) Coming up, it's Ask Uncle Randy. It's a beautiful spring day. Lewis, 
And if you got stuff going on in your life, this is we're closing in on May Day, kids. So uh, if you got stuff going on in your life, you have some questions that you need answered from Ask Uncle Randy. Well, that's what we're here for. Text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Ask Uncle Randy with Brooke and Carrie assisting next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 314-399-9646. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. been around, you know. Welcome to Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. Good to have you with us. Why the Ricky Bobby ones? Yeah, you just got it. Okay. Ricky Bobby. Blaine Gabbard just I got it. I wasn't expecting and the levels were very different. Some, sometimes you need somebody that's close to you to provide you with quality advice, and that's what I am here for, for the masses. Text in 314-399-9646, and I, I just, I like to provide quality advice. Real simple, son. Cops are coming. There's a kilo of Colombian Bam Bam under the car. Time to be a man. <laughs> Not Colombian, the Colombian Bam yeah, Bam. That's, that's number two behind my favorite one, which is Nicaraguan marching powder. <laughs> Easily the best one. Uh, Randy, let's get into some of that. Dear Uncle Randy. Yes. I'm going to get into some of that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, Yikes. It's, a little, it's a little early, right? What's your favorite coach? Uh, since the 2000 season, the Cardinals are 489 games over 500 with four MVPs, one Cy Young, winners of, uh, winners of a Rookie of the Year, four World Series appearances, two World Series titles, and numerous playoff appearances. Why can't Cardinal fans relax and enjoy some baseball in April? The odds are that you're going to win a championship every 30 years, right? There's 30 teams, and one team is going to win a year, so those are the odds. And in the last 30 years, the Cardinals, I believe, have won a couple, if I'm not mistaken, in 2006 and 2011 and been to numerous. Your odds of obviously making it to the National League Championship Series are 1 in 15. The other part of it is, as we mentioned yesterday on this very program, that if you just look at the last half dozen years, the Cardinals are in the last six years before the All-Star break. They're eight games over 500. They have a 507 winning percentage. In games after the All-Star break in the last six years, they are 56, 56, 82 games over 500. They have a 595 winning percentage. There's a plan in place that the Cardinals have. They do it every year. They give us the opportunity to whine and complain and moan in the first part of the season. And then we get excited in August and September, and they wind up playing in October. And by the way, playing in October is not a bad thing. I know there's a lot of people that say, oh, it's terrible that you lose games in October. You know what? Fans in Pittsburgh and Cincinnati would love, similar markets to this one, by the way, would love to be able to play an October game and go and to an some, October baseball game. Fans in Cincinnati and Pittsburgh are October is football season. Yep, it is. <laughs> yep. And you know what? Yeah, no, you have a point. I was texting with Joe Buck the other day about, because we were talking on the show about why Pittsburgh can't win. And he was talking about on 13 and 14. He was so hoping that he could do games in Pittsburgh because their fans were so yeah. electric when the team was winning. Their team, mm. their fans were awesome when their team was winning. Yeah. That's a great sports town, just like this is. It is. Isn't April draft time? 
<laughs> I mean, is it, I mean, October's draft time here in St. Louis. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying, in Pittsburgh, oh, yeah. do they care yeah. more right yeah. now about what yeah. the Steelers are doing? No yeah. In Cincinnati, too. They care more about what the Bengals are doing in the draft. They yeah. care more about what the Reds and Pirates are doing. Yeah. Penguins have won a few Stanley Cups, too. That's yeah. a fair point. Uh, dear Uncle Randy, I'm 25, and my wife is pregnant with our first child. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, it's a girl. My wife is, of course, going through all these changes, but for me, nothing seems real. What can I do to connect to her, and when will it feel real for me? Oh, about 2 a.m. Uh, yeah, it'll, it'll feel real. And I get totally where you're coming from at, at your age. It, you know, you're gonna, you're going to be a dad, and I think that's the thing that you have to think about. But I, I think, Carrie, you can weigh in here too because you've been in the same situation. Mm-hmm. But until you see a completely helpless little yes. body, little human being, that you know is your responsibility to guide through life, it really is hard to. Have it be real until you see it. Yeah, it once once the child is there and the, that child is crying and need mm-hmm. and and you hug her and she you comfort her and now she's not crying anymore. It, it, it will be very real. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the delivery room will be a very real experience. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real experience. You will be <laughs> be prepared. Uh, but, I got yelled at that day. <laughs> Did you get yelled at that day? I, I no, but I okay. listen, Randy. I, We'll talk about it another time. You know what? I bet every every guy every guy gets yelled at it. I'm not yeah. casting any aspersions. Yeah. There. So it it'll be real when when you know just in this moment comfort your your wife. Yeah. Make sure she's comfortable. Make sure she's doesn't need much. If you know there there are going to be some odd requests as far as taste buds and things mm-hmm. smells. Just, Woofies hot dogs. Just go ahead and do whatever she's asking, and yeah. you'll be okay. Yeah, and it'll, uh, I guarantee you that if it doesn't feel real once you uh, have it in your arms, it'll feel real. This is springtime because we got another uh, people. A lot of people are pregnant. Apparently, my f- wife and I are expecting a baby. Congratulations! Congratulations again. We have two girls who are already young teenagers, and they seem worried that they'll be forgotten when the baby comes. Yeah, how will. can I make sure they know <laughs> oh. nothing will change? My advice would be oh. tell them to wait six months yeah. and realize how great it is to, when you're 15 and your parents aren't. Over your shoulder about everything? That'd be great. Well, first of all, things will change, but you will always love your older daughters. And I think it is important, because you're sensing that they feel this way, to treat them the way that you always have and maybe do extra special things. Get them out to the zoo uh, before the baby is born. Do stuff with them and just talk about the baby and offer them the opportunity to be a part of the process because it's always nice to have help, right? If, yes. if you have some help with a baby and those girls are old enough to, to be able to do it, that's a, a good thing, but you have to encourage them that they're going to be able to be part of the process. I think one thing I've learned, you know, when you have multiple kids is you have to spend time alone with yes. each of those children, doing things where, you know, it's just me and you today. It's just us two. We're, we're not going to involve your siblings. It's just we, we're going to the movies. Mm-hmm. Forget those guys. You know, just to make them feel, you know, a little bit better. And, yeah. and you do that with each, with each of them. By the way, let's see. I'm just thinking. So we've got uh, six months here. That, that we're, we're months away from ha- having babies. And uh, I'm thinking that the Blues had an eight-game losing streak in, uh, in, in <laughs> oh October. Oh, my God. I'm, <laughs> I'm just thinking that that's the case. That's where we are. <laughs> About six months ago, yeah. Uh. yeah. <laughs> oh, dear Uncle Randy or Cousin Carrie, 
I'm pretty antisocial, and I've been told I need oh. to put myself out there more or, quote, unquote, be more confident. Can you explain what that means and how to actually do that? So I am, for though, you, Brooke, you may not know this about me. I'm extremely antisocial. I, 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 t- I would rather sit in the house than be in big functions and big events, but it is a requirement from time to time because, you know, we, we have to be different places. Um, what I would say is do what's comfortable to you. If you are told that you're antisocial, meaning you know you're 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 not comfortable in certain environments, that's fine. Little doses. Don't do too much where you feel overwhelmed because then you won't. Then you'll really you know pull back completely and won't be involved at all. Just take little doses of of, of people to the and, and and people that you like because you know mm-hmm. when you don't like a lot of people, yeah, it's kind of tough to be in those environments. So you know. <laughs> People that you enjoy spending time with, small doses of it, and not, uh, you know, don't overwhelm yourself because you will, you will really pull back and not want to be a part of anything. Yeah, I, I agree. I think one big thing. I don't know what if this person does this or not, but sometimes we get too stuck on social media and thinking that that's our human interaction. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. That's not real human interaction. You have to get out, even if it's just you know, going out running errands or, you know, different things, just to get used to it. So you're not exactly having to directly talk to people, just mm-hmm. getting comfortable being around other people, I mm-hmm. think helps a lot. But I also get it too. There's times, especially with this job, as you're mentioning, you're talking to people a lot. And there's yeah. days that I'm just like, I don't want to talk tired. to a single person. <laughs> right, right. If I don't see a human being today, that's fantastic. Yeah. So that's not terrible. It's a balance. And I think also we have a tendency I did. Like, when, when I was in high school, I, I had a crush on a girl that I didn't ask out, you know, and should have. And be, You're still I, thinking about this, Randy? Randy? Oh, no, <laughs> but I, be, I think as, as younger people, yeah, I think as younger people, absolutely. We, we're, we're different, but Brooke, from a female perspective, if a guy asks you out, the odds are pretty good that the girl's going to say yes. So I think you need to develop some, some not not develop, just know that you are somebody that uh, you should be confident because you have a good personality. And even if you feel antisocial, you aren't. Can I tell you something not to do? Can I tell you something not to do? Yeah, sure. Because, for example, I went to Target the other day by myself. I love my Target trips. I don't like to be bothered at Target, which, I mean, if you're shopping, you know, that's you're just kind of zoning out. I feel like especially for females... I like to go and stare at things. And so Target's oh, y'all a, love Target. Target is a very special place for me. So I go in. As soon as I walk into Target, this Target. guy like locked eyes with me. And it, it was a look that only females will understand where it's like, uh-oh. Like this is <laughs> this is creepy. Like I'm in his he's I'm in his like little radar. So I was like, this is making me My uncomfortable. God. He started following me and I was like, okay, I'm gonna walk really fast. And so I go in and out of aisles. I go all the way back to the like aisle with paper towels and toilet paper which is kind of secluded way in the back and I'm like okay I lost him all of a sudden I go to grab the paper towels I turn around he's right there and he was like hi and I'm like oh hi and he was like he was like oh I think you're really pretty and I was like thank you uh and he was like, can I can I get your number? I don't like using dating apps or swiping. I like to meet people in the authentic way. And I was like, I'm engaged. Sorry. And he, was like, and he was like, yeah, but, you know, I just, I don't know any other way to meet people. I'm like, dating apps aren't terrible. That's where I met my fiance. And then I'm like, okay. Here, like, it, it, somebody okay, watch a, me go to my car. Much. That's a little much. <laughs> yeah. So in fairness, I, and 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 for this person that, that seems to be introverted, you 
it's okay to have conversation and it's okay to be told no. I mean, you you, you got a 50-50 chance when you see a a, 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 pure, a pretty woman at the, a beautiful woman at the store. Don't at the follow store. them, though. Do not follow them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, excuse point. me, hey, how are you? Nice, hey, can I, you got a few seconds? You can, you don't, because that becomes yes. stalking. Yeah, it does. That, that's yeah. a little bit different. But, you know, get out, have conversations, you know, meet different people, be in environments that you are comfortable There's in. There's the key. And and don't make yourself overwhelmed. Because, Randy, I, I am extremely introverted. I Most of my friends, when the pandemic hit, they said, hey, you've been preparing for this your whole life, haven't you? I said, I, I knew it was going to come in handy. I don't need nobody. I'm in the house. On the confidence thing, just fake it till you make it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Well said. You just gotta just just do, I mean you're never you just you gotta you gotta put it out there in the world. You're never gonna just gonna feel it. You just gotta put it out there. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thanks very much for your text. We do appreciate them on Ask Uncle Randy. Coming up, we've got take it or leave it. More texts at 314-399-9646. 314-399-Yo-ho! Tioli coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? We'll put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. Brooke Grimsley, Super Bowl champ, Kerry Davis, and Matthew Rocchio. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. Guys, Take It or Leave It, Draymond Green has cost the Golden State Warriors a chance at a championship by getting suspended for tonight's game. I'm going to leave that. I think they still find a way to win tonight. Rock and I were talking about this. One guy that needs to play more and will probably play more tonight is Jonathan Kaminga. Uh one of the probably most freak athletes I've seen in a long time with the way that he jumps. And so uh, I think he'll get more opportunities tonight, and hopefully he can uh, dunk on a few people and get that uh, crowd going there in San Francisco. Uh, Randy, I was going to I was gonna go there with the with you and, and, and stay with the Draymond talk. Take it or leave it, you shouldn't be suspended based on past history. I'm going to leave that. Really? Yeah, because when you get suspended once – that's supposed to act as a deterrent. And if you aren't learning, then things have to happen to cause you to learn. And yes, as Coach used to say, uh, we're not going to punish the team, but the league has punished the team. And Draymond has to know that his actions punish the team. Yeah, but I mean, th- this is, this is he even mentioned it. Sabonis has held his leg in two separate games. That, it, obviously, you saw the one yesterday, uh, a couple of days ago. He did the same thing in game one. I just and and if there was a more wrestling stump that I've ever seen, that was not a stump. It was it was akin to what you see in a wrestling match in the WWE. It wasn't a a but Bruce Sternum. It wasn't a but it was it was more like a, a villain stump. A villain has stump. a contusion. He does not. There is nothing you wrong. The with Kings that are man. lying about their injury absolutely. <laughs> they are lying. You think this man got a bruised sternum from that? Come on, man. All right, well, Let's take defend. it. We, we're, Come uh, on, I, I get why we're defending Draymond, because we're fans, but the reality of the situation. Now, is- I do think, you know, he has to be more careful and, and not make yeah. decisions that could put him in a situation where he could be 
suspended or, or kicked out of a game. That I do think he needs to do. He needs to be better at. Yeah. Well, take it or leave it. This is going to kind of play into this because I think that CD might want to walk back on this statement that he made at the last week's take it or leave it. When I asked, Paul George said this, NBA players have better odds at oh, NFL yeah. success than vice versa, meaning the other way around. Mm-hmm. After seeing how the playoffs have gone so far, oh, will yeah. you take that back? Yeah, these take guys it or leave are soft it. as hell. <laughs> <laughs> they, my, soft as Charmin is what, what one of my coaches used to say. Charmin tissue. They, 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 are, they, they, are, they are some soft individuals. If you a got contusion, a bruise, a, 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 bruise yeah. a contusion, you ain't never been hit across the middle by, by a linebacker and you didn't see it coming. I can guarantee you that. I thought one of my friends broke my ribs in practice, and I had to just <laughs> What was that guy's name on the, uh, on the 08 Ravens? Do you remember his name that you? Ray? No, the, the guy that you knocked the window oh, out of. Oh, Darren Stone. Okay, poor guy. Yeah, he was, fell like a stone. I I personally think that NFL and NHL players are probably the toughest out there because if something happens, you're still going. I mean, look at Braden. What was that last season? He had like broken ribs and had been playing the whole time. I'll I'll tell you this. I think hockey players are tougher because I'm not sitting in front of a slap shot to the face. I will not lay on the ice for a slap shot. And they used to do it without masks. I'm not doing it. No, no, thank you. Matthew, what do you got? Take it or leave it. Divisions aren't won in April. The Cardinals will be back in first place by July 31st when everything starts clicking. Huh. Let's hope that the yeah, Brewers, let's hope that the Brewers uh, yeah. buy yeah. into that that, yeah. that notion. Let's do uh, let's do August 15th. We'll we'll do August 15th. I like Whatever. August 15th. Ooh, take it or leave it. Lamar needs to sign that 200 million dollar contract because making it to a Super Bowl carries more weight than an MVP. So Hertz should be paid more. Hmm. Uh, Super Bowl? No, I'll leave that. MVP? Uh, there? No. Here's the the way to look at this, in my opinion. Would a healthy—that's operative word here—would a healthy Lamar have been able to do the same thing that, or better than Jalen Hurts did? If Jalen, if Lamar was on that Philadelphia Eagles team with AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, mm-hmm. heck yes. Yes, and he probably wins the MVP. You, it's about who you surround yourself. Yep. The fact that he won the MVP without having guys like that on his roster, you know, speaks volumes. Take it or take it or leave it. If the Cardinal, if the 2023 Cardinals keep up the pace, they're on to 24. The MLB draft will be a lot of fun. Can you repeat that? If the Cardinals keep up the current 2023 pace, the 2024 MLB draft will finally be some fun. Boy, I don't know. I, I I don't see amateur baseball players. So, if <laughs> uh, unless it's an, uh, unless it's Ethan Holiday, I, you know, I don't. I just don't know. I I just don't think that that's matters as much or is as exciting. It's I not guess. like the NFL draft. People there there really is a small contingent out there who are like, hey, it worked for the Astros and the Cubs. Let's tank. And I don't I don't understand what they're thinking. I do think tanking t- thinking that this is tanking in April is a little much, but Yeah. So uh the Orioles <laughs> in consecutive years, 2017, 75 and 87, 2018, 47 and 115, 2019, 54 and 108, then they had the COVID season, then they went 52 and 110 before going 83 and 79 last year. You can't just have one if you're going to tank, you can't have one fun draft. And if you think that winning 75, 47, 54, 52 games is fun. 
more power to you, but I don't think it is. 54 games sounds like torture. Take it or leave it. Adam Wainwright returns to the starting rotation by the next homestand in early May. Take it. I could see that. Talk yeah. to Wayno later in the show and ask him about that. I think he'll be back before then. I would think so, too. Take it or leave it. Baruby is head coach of the Blues longer than Marmol is the manager of the Cardinals. Ooh, this is a good one. Wait, he signed a two-year extension or a three-year? This, this was a, this. I think this was the first year of a three-year, so he's got two years to for, go for, for Baruby. Yeah. So he's got two more to go. Yeah. Yeah. So he signed. Take a it or leave it. He said that Baruby will be here longer. Yeah. Baruby, yeah. Baruby's here. Baruby's still the coach of the Blues when Marmol gets fired. By the I'm gonna leave. I'm it. gonna leave that topic alone because I don't want to. Wish any man to lose his job. I don't either, but I'm going to leave it anyway. I think. I think. Uh, Here's why. I think Ali is extraordinarily secure. Yes, I think. Ali, I mean, he's he's newer into his career. Yeah. Um, I think you you generally would go with the guy that just started as opposed to you know the other guy yeah. that's been there for a while. Take it or leave it. After Burrow and Herbert get paid, the Chiefs up Mahomes AAV to over sixty million. Take it. I'll take that. Yeah. They're going to at least fifty five if they're making fifty. And here's yeah. the thing, if any franchise knows what they're doing, Chiefs years ahead thinking. What do you think, Brooke? Sixty million for Mahomes? Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. Blaine Gabbert just signed as a backup to the Chiefs. How about that? Yeah. Oh. I thought he was gonna retire. Congratulations you know, to Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, Chad Henney retired? That's a that's a good gig. <laughs> really, it's the best game. I feel like really? that's like yeah. the dream game. Chase yeah. Daniels. Eh? Yeah, <laughs> pretty good. I'm going to retire. What if we can yeah. give you the best backup spot in the league and you're only four hours away from your hometown? I am not uh, retired. I'll be there. <laughs> Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, the Blues did struggle this season, and Craig Ruby had an idea early on that that was going to be the case. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. I felt early on in the season, um, I didn't like the first couple games even we played. We weren't very good, but we won. Our goalie, Binner, Binner was excellent. We played an excellent game in Edmonton. Um, the Winnipeg game really, I thought, set us back. Um, you know, the way we went out in that third period in Winnipeg, Greiser was in net. We didn't go out there to win the game. Like, we went out there and just let them come at us and end up losing 4-2 or I don't even remember the score. That is Chief Craig Berube talking about the early season of the Blues and coaches get that sense and I wonder if Ollie might be getting that sense with the Cardinals right now but Craig Berube mentioned in his press conference last Saturday that he he saw the warning signs and we kind of talked about it here, although at that point when they got off to the 3-0 start and they had the incredible performance in Edmonton in the second game of the season, I know, guys, I was thinking, okay, this is a team that's really going to be good, but when you're not in the room and you're not around the team, and especially when you don't have your hand on the pulse of the team like Craig Bruby does, we couldn't have known, but it's interesting that he felt that early on that this team had the chance to really struggle. Yeah, well, he he pointed to specifically that 
first loss that kind of started that long losing streak where he felt like he knew that something was off. He said basically it was in that game where they had a chance to at least compete or come back or do something. And then the Blues just kind of, or I should say his players, pretty much didn't do anything to make it a competitive game or like they even wanted to win. And so then that is what started that losing streak. And he even said that even after they had that winning streak right afterwards, he felt like they didn't deserve to win those games. Yeah, just like it was it was not real or it was, uh, you know, it, it, it's you had that that. What was it eight game losing streak and they didn't mm-hmm. get a point. You didn't you didn't get any overtime losses. You didn't you didn't perform particularly well. And we talked about this, Randy. We were saying, well, I was letting you know that it felt like it was just not meshing well or gelling well. And and anytime you have guys that are getting paid and guys that are on their way out, that can be an issue. And as a head coach, when you can see it happening, I mean, I, I've I've been a head coach and have seen it happening to my team. There's you try to figure out a way to, to to get it correct, and it comes from the team. It comes from the players wanting to do the right things every single day in practice, you know, the work habits that you create. And if they're not willing or able to do that, you're just going to be spinning your wheels the entire season. And I thought the comment that Coach made was really notable, that we didn't go out there to win the game. And obviously, you play to win the game, and he is all about winning the game. I'm just really intrigued by what happened to the personality of this team because at that time, Ryan O'Reilly was still around. You still had that veteran leadership. I, I wonder if the the schism between the young players and the and the veteran players was that apparent that early on. I- yeah, I think I think you know, honestly, this is more pure speculation, but just kind of. Reading between the lines of these comments, especially afterwards, I said it was like a therapy session. It felt like this past Saturday. The most telling to me was Braden Chen, where he said from the beginning they were disconnected. To me, if you're saying from the from the beginning you're disconnected, something from the offseason affected things. There's a lot of there's a huge ripple effect. One losing Jim Montgomery, mm-hmm. who seemed to have a really good pulse of all the players in that room. And you see what he was able to do with the Bruins and how he's able to get that group together. Um, also, David Perron, how publicly that was all handled. And even prior to that, losing a Petrangelo in that way and, and all that stuff, too. It's like it, w- it was like the blocks continued to kind of fall for the Blues. I think, you know, losing, obviously losing guys in the offseason is is a, a crucial part of it. But at, at some point, the men that are still in that locker room have to make a decision. Hey, we're going to be better. We're going to work harder. We're going to do all of the things that are, are required. And for whatever reason... They never did it. They just felt like I don't want to say it didn't. I don't know that they I, I, they cared, but maybe not cared for each other enough. You know, you care about yourself, you care about your performance, but how much do you care about your teammate? Um, because that I will do a little bit more. I will go a little bit farther. I will go a little bit harder if I really and truly care about the guy that's next to me and 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 making sure that I'm putting forth my best effort and holding him accountable to do the same. Well, let's say being a former player put you in this situation. So you have 
a player that was very well respected in the organization, said that he wanted to stay here. Mm-hmm. Very publicly said that. Said how much it meant to his team or to be a part of this team, to his kids to stay here in this specific city and continue to play for them. And then you have a very public kind of issue back and forth and then he ends up signing with another team and then during that offseason too you sign two young players that maybe at least one of them some people are saying hadn't exactly earned the right to that contract yet so then you're a veteran going the season you're like wow i saw what they did to that past player that gave a lot to the organization even was huge in winning them a cup and that's the treatment gets i'm a veteran i know where my contract's at and i see what's happening here that they're going to put this on the young players were already kind of moving that way forward and you're like okay well if you're going to invest in these guys then i'm going to go show you all right then they can handle everything and that's where that i felt like that disconnect possibly could have happened that so early on in the season and isn't it interesting that i think it was panger that told us that jim montgomery had the text chains with so many of the different groups of players and he was kind of a conduit Mm -hmm. between the young players and and the veteran players because he he obviously coached college hockey he he understood them and as we've mentioned you bring in craig mctavish and i think the only logical conclusion we can reach is when you hire a coach and he's gone after a year that you feel like you made a mistake but here's the other thing Mike Van Ryan inherited Jay Bomeister and Alex Petrangelo and uh, Carl Gunnarsson and uh, Pareko certainly was an ascending player when, when he got him. But you look around now, you look around the league, why weren't the Blues able to get more out of a guy like Vince Dunn, who's playing very well in the playoffs now mm-hmm. for Seattle? Why weren't they able to get more out of Jake Wallman, who's performing really well? Why why did Nico Mikola step up and why is he playing well as a playoff player for the Rangers? when they couldn't do it here. And you wonder now if those players were underserved in terms of the way they were coached by their position coach here, because there really is no good excuse otherwise for those players to go elsewhere and thrive when they couldn't here. I think, you know, it, it's, it, it, it comes down to the players. It's about guys really caring about one another. And and to your point, if I am a, a, a player and I saw that the team didn't resign one of the veterans, one of the guys that I felt like was the key component or one of our guys. I'm not going to be be mad at my teammates about that. I mean, you mm-hmm. as as players, we want everybody to get paid. We I want to get paid just like you want to get paid. And and so if you're getting your money, cool. Perfect. Now I I'm, I'm going to get my opportunity. If I don't, I'm not going to hold I shouldn't hold that against the player. If I have a problem with management or if I have a problem with them not re-signing somebody, that's actually going to bring us closer together as players. And now we have a rooting interest against, you know, but you know what? what's going Carrie, on. I, I think it's human nature. I got I got fired from a job and I never did like the guy that replaced me. Mm-hmm. And I, especially, I, I don't know if it's money as much as it is if you're Tarasenko and O'Reilly. You've invested here. You've got families here. You've, your kids have been born here. You won a Stanley Cup here. Now you got these two kids and you don't even know how good they're going to be. And they're getting the money. Yeah. Uh, and they're getting to stay. That's the thing. I, I they're getting to stay. And I think that that's what started everything kind of spiraling out of control. And and to your point, maybe not having that voice in the locker room to be that voice of reason for both parties and saying, hey, this is just the business. It's You can't take professional sports personally. It's business. And and. When you start looking at it as business, you understand, hey, those guys are younger, we're getting older, 
it's at some point O'Reilly and Tarasenko ushered someone else out of a job. Yes, it is. It's it's business. Right. It happened to you. You did it to someone before. So it, it's part of the business. If they don't want you here, play your best, do your best, and then you move on. Let me throw another thing here because these players pay attention. If you're Ryan O'Reilly and Thomas gets the contract, and we like Robert. Robert, I think Robert has a chance to be a really good leader. But if you put yourself in Ryan O'Reilly's shoes, and Doug Armstrong is saying, this guy's going to be our captain someday. That would, be, that, would, that would be frustrating. Yeah. It, it would be tough to hear. But at the end, but... I can't be mad at Robert no, for that. No, no, But I think it just changes the dynamic in the room. <laughs> but I, exactly. Like, now you're telling me what it is, and some people handle it differently. We saw how Brett Favre handled Aaron Rodgers being mm-hmm. in the in the, in the the quarterback room. We really kind of saw a little bit how Aaron Rodgers handled Jordan Love being mm-hmm. in the quarterback room. Some people handle it differently. Kurt Warner, it, it, he may not have been happy when they drafted Eli, but he essentially helped and showed him how to become a quarterback. Like he 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 didn't badmouth him or, or go out of his way to, to to be disrespectful. And he was a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Funny because I was thinking the exact same thing when Warner got benched for Bulger. The first phone call that Bulger got was from Kurt Warner. And later in that season, game in Chicago, and Martz tells Warner to get ready when they're behind and Bulger is struggling, and Warner says no. You, you pick the guy. You've got to let yes. him battle through this stuff. And, and he just handled it with complete class. And Kurt Warner went on and still became a Hall of Fame quarterback yeah. and still led another franchise to a Super Bowl. Yeah. So, so. I think I think if you still see, and it's hard, as you mentioned, just kind of not to internalize all that, though, because when you see those two big contract signings, you know that you have, you're going to be coming up with a contract issue here <laughs> or soon. You're looking at that and you're like, oh, okay, look. They, and the players will try to say, oh, I'm not paying attention to that. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we'll figure it out. No, they know. They know what the cap space is. They know basically what is going to happen to them. And also, too, you have two young players that even if they haven't, quote unquote, completely proven themselves yet, they're going to get a big check either way. I can see how that can definitely split up that locker room in a lot of different ways and also too you lose a coach in Montgomery who was doing a really good job of kind of gluing these guys together despite the age differences. Yeah, better get some more competitive guys. If, if your coach is saying that we didn't go out there to win with this group of guys, they better get more competitive guys this coming off season. That is today's Fresh Take. Brooke, Carey, Randy coming up. Birdwatch here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're flying down to the field to give you the latest on your St. Louis Cardinals. This is Bird Watch on the Opening Drive. All right, time for Bird Watch, where we all give a little opinion about the Cardinals' most recent performance, and their most recent performance is an 8-7 loss to the Arizona Diamondbacks last night at the ballpark finale of the three-game series today. We where, didn't get where's our, the we birds? Didn't get our birds. We do need our bird. There's a bird. That's, I don't know if that's a cardinal, but it's a bird. No, no, no. Mine is probably more like a pigeon. Do you know what? Do you, do you have the 
you have a cardinal a sound? You know, I, 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 I'm not a bird sound kind of guy. Right I don't now, even sorry. know what any of the birds I, I, sound I, like. I got up there on a ladder with a microphone, yeah, and it, I didn't know. I couldn't see what bird it was, okay. so I, I just right. heard the bird. So I, um, it might have been a cardinal, might not have been. I'm what sorry. was Marshy doing on the roof? <laughs> what was he doing? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> he was in the studio. <laughs> All right, what do we got on the bird watch? Uh, well, mine is going to be. I'm going to take the sunshine and lollipops approach sunshine. with my bird watch today because I mentioned this earlier but as we oh, there we go it kind of startles you every single time because this song was used in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and so that's what I think about I don't think of actual sunshine and lollipops can we get the the sound where she says whack after 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 the song whack um my bird watch is going to be Jordan Hicks. So, obviously, things were not going well for him. And I feel like it's pretty much a demotion when the manager goes yeah. out there and says, we're only going to use you for low leverage situations. We thought that maybe, you know, the other day would have been a good time to bring him in. But they decided to use him last night. And to me, I thought that that was a very big moment. Top of the ninth, Jordan Hicks, he was really kind of pounding the zone. His slider was much better. He even got a strike with one of those. And... I thought it was a pretty good inning from Jordan there. Through 16 pitches, 10 for strikes, allowed one hit, and I thought it was pretty pretty encouraging. Struck out three, and then what the Cardinals were able to do in the bottom of the ninth was really rally a comeback. So I thought that was huge for Jordan Hicks in that situation in this new role, especially when it seems like he's fighting for a job right now. I think that uh, that that has to make him feel so good today right yes about himself and knowing that he can do it again and hopefully it'll be a situation where if they do put him into a high leverage situation he's able to relax and do what he did last night yes i, I thought it was uh it was really good for him to get out in that moment um you know three strikeouts gave up a single um, but but just you saw it was funny <laughs> i don't know if you all caught this the umpire was behind the plate jumping because he didn't know, I don't know if he was, the ball is coming so fast mm. and I think it's doing, it's having so much movement. And I think that what that gave me the the idea was if if the umpire is behind the plate jumping, how is he going to be able to call balls and strikes? And I, it, it may, this might sound crazy, maybe his stuff is too good for the people that are trying to decide if it's a ball or a strike. Well, what he does is he goes to Wilson Contreras and said, says, that sounded like a strike to me. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Exactly. But I think, you know, it, it's not, it was not a great start to the season for Jordan Hicks, but this is, you can't do anything with him at this moment, so you should be rooting for his success because a successful Jordan Hicks is beneficial to this team. Absolutely. CD? Uh, mine is... All right, thank you, sir. Mine is I like how you Cardinal, yeah, Excuse me. All right, mine is the Cardinals hitting. We talked about the timely hitting. They are fourth in in Major League Baseball in batting average at 269, but they are also fourth, tied for fourth in all of Major League Baseball in ground outs, grounding into double plays. And so that goes to what we talked about when you get guys on base, not able to move them over, um, runners in scoring position, they have struggled. They were two for nine last night. The timely hitting, you're getting hits when nobody is on base, but then when somebody's on, you're either grounding into a double play, not able to move them over, or not driving in runs, which is causing your team to not be able to win games. And and that that situation in the second inning with Jordan Montgomery, I'm sorry, with the, with the Cardinals on um, having multiple opportunities to get runners in, bases loaded, one out, bases loaded, two outs, and you only get one run, 
that changes the trajectory of Jordan Montgomery's outing if you're able to get three or four runs in that inning and now you're looking at a four or five run lead mm-hmm. as opposed to just a two run lead. So my, my I'm going to continue to pay attention to what these batters are doing. When you got runners on and runners in scoring position, are you able to move them over? Are you able to get them home? Because if not, it's going to be a long season for this pitching staff. Yeah, and hopefully the cream will rise to the top and they'll, as the analytics fo- folks say, regress to the mean and do what they've always done. Guys, I'm going to talk about somebody who's not a problem. And that is the defending National League MVP, Paul Goldschmidt. It was two for five last night, had a home run. Yes, he did strike out a couple of times. But last year, in winning the MVP, Goldie had a 981 OPS. He had 317 with a 404 on base, led the league with a 578 slug for a 981 OPS. This year, he's hitting 328. He's got a higher on base. He's getting on base 44.9% of the time, and his slug is 516 to 964 OPS. This guy turned 35 last September, and he is as good as he has ever been. Mm-hmm. And if I'm the Cardinals, I would go to Paul Goldschmidt and say, look, I know that uh, you're signed for next year, but do you want to sign on for another year, too? Huh. That's not a bad idea. I know they did it with Matt Carpenter, and it didn't work out very well, but I would rather have Matt uh, Paul Goldschmidt nailed down in here, especially now with the Universal DH, than have him walk away and go to, like, the Astros or something to end his career. Oh, did I need my bird? Oh, yeah, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want your bird, like, give it to yeah. me, then it's fine. There we go. There we go. Good. He's, like, he's awesome. He's we, we He's so numbingly consistent. Yes. You take him for granted. We do. Yeah. He's really, really, really good. Yeah. I think I, I just want to know his upbringing because it seems like that man doesn't get rattled by anything anything i just want to know how his parents prepared him i mean it feels like nothing phases him which is great for him in these situations right yeah well he's able to and he's taken a lot upon himself just to be able to live in the present and so it's mm-hmm. he he's able to get up there and go pitch by pitch which is a hard thing to do, to not think about the last one, not think about the bad call, yes. not think about the swing and the miss where you, you guessed and, and you guessed wrong. He's just really good about living in the now, literally pitch to pitch. And if, if you're not thinking about the last thing, you have a chance to do really well. I wonder if there's just kind of a backstory where, do you remember Roger Federer when he was playing, he used to be a hothead, and then all of a sudden he mm-hmm. just kind of leveled out, and that's when he got to that elite tennis status? I wonder if that's... Something that could be the backstory of Paul Goldschmidt. It'd be interesting. Interesting to find out. You know, when Tony was running the Diamondbacks, he said that Paul Goldschmidt was the closest thing to Albert Pujols that he had ever seen. Hmm. So, hmm. pretty high praise from TLR. Yeah, I would say so. That's the Bird Watch here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we do we have uh, nobody won yesterday. Oh, we need okay. So nobody we won yesterday. Nobody of course won. they didn't, Randy. You, you, <laughs> you won yesterday. I did? No, yeah, you yeah. I, I didn't did. remember. I didn't, yeah. I didn't remember. You, you, you're so used to bludgeoning people, you just forget how you yeah. forget nameless faces at this point, isn't it, Randy? <laughs> you you yeah. are a monster. <laughs> So, yeah, some serial killers remember the names of every single one. <laughs> not, not Randy character. You just, that, next one, next one, next one. We do need a fighter. I hate, to, I hate to paint it in those terms, but we do need a fighter for the fight at uh, 314-399-9646. Just text in the word fight and hopefully, well, maybe not. <laughs> Matthew will pick you as a, a random fighter next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue. 
undisputed king of morning drive, please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Lewis. Lewis, how you feeling? I'm doing good today. Are you ready? Uh, are you guys? I'm, I'm wonderful. Are, are you ready to take on Megamind? He, uh, he, he's kind of on the roll here. Are you, you ready to take him on? I am actually. I'm previously one and two against Randy. I played him before, one one lost one, and then I played him at uh, Adam Wainwright trivia night and lost. Okay. So I'm looking for some revenge. All right. Well, this is the perfect time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. Happy birthday to one of my favorite teammates, Troy Palomalu. Out of which school was Troy drafted? Is it UCLA, Oregon, or USC? Uh, I'm going to go with USC. Clayton Kershaw just became the 13th pitcher to win 200 games while only playing for one franchise his whole career. Who is the only Cardinal on the list? Is it Adam Wainwright, Bob Forsh, or Bob Gibson? Bob Gibson. On this day in 1997, the St. Louis Rams traded up in the first round to select this lineman, Orlando Pace, Kevin Carter, or Wayne Gandy? I'm going to go Orlando Pace. Who is the current Major League Baseball active leader in career strikeouts? Zach Greinke, Justin Verlander, or Max Scherzer? Max Scherzer. All right, we'll double-check our score and bring in Randy Carricker. Well, Lewis, how do you feel about this opportunity to to take on Megamind? You, you, you feel uh, like you, you know, did really well? You know, yeah, you know, I feel like Randy and I are always close, mm-hmm. you know, so I feel like he's always, he's always getting the better of me. So, you know, hopefully we got some mind games going, you know, hopefully uh, <laughs> I, I lit my Miles Michael at stage before coming on here, so... <laughs> Well, Randy, say hello to Lewis. He said he's tra- he, he's had had an opportunity to go against you uh, in the fight and at Adam Wainwright's trivia night. Oh, okay. Good. Good so. to have you with us. Thank you very much for listening, and thank you very much for participating today. We do appreciate it. And he said you're going to need some luck. Okay. Well, I may have said that, but okay. here we go. Good. Happy birthday to one of my favorite teammates, Troy Palomalu. Out of which school did Troy get drafted? That would have been the University of Southern California. Fight on. S-C. Fight on, yep. Clayton Kershaw just became the 13th pitcher to win 200 games while only playing for one franchise his whole career. Who is the only Cardinal on the list? Uh, That would be the best Cardinal pitcher ever, wouldn't it? Bob Gibson? I think it would. On this day in 1997, the St. Louis Rams traded up in the first round to select this lineman. So they actually traded the number six pick, traded down, and then the Jets traded down. They could have had Walter Jones. The Rams obviously got Orlando Pace in 1997. That was the first move that uh, Dick Vermeil made from a draft perspective. But then your guy, James Ferrier, wound up going to the Jets mm. uh, with the, the pick, ultimately, with the barrage of picks, that uh, bevy of picks that the, the Jets got in the Orlando Pace trade. Very cool. Who should was- have taken Pace, by the way. Jets should have taken Pace. <laughs> Glad they didn't. Yeah. Who is the current Major League Baseball active leader in career strikeouts? Career K's right now. Uh, let's see. Well, you think Scherzer and Verlander. Max. Um, 
Max has had the 300 strikeout seasons. So that just seems logical. But I will uh, use the lifeline just in case I'm fooling myself here. Zach Grinke, Justin Verlander, or Max Scherzer? I'm still going to go with Max Scherzer. This was quite the fight, as we have a tie. Mm. And we have to go into a tiebreaker because not a single wrong answer was said by either player in, the, in the actual fight. So we have to go into the tiebreaker. Rules for the tiebreaker today, Lewis, are simple. It's going to be close to the pin like it always is. So I will read the question out. We will give Randy a moment to write down his answer. Then we'll have your say, say your answer audibly. We will then say what Randy Carricker's guess was. And whoever, again, is closest to the pin wins today's fight. Lewis, do you understand those rules? I do, sir. Randy, do you have a piece of paper ready? I do. Okay. Edward Jones Dome paper. I'm glad we're doing this trivia question today because it will change as of tonight. LeBron James is the all-time career leader in playoff games played. How many games has he played in his 16 different trips to the playoffs? And that does include the one game he has played in this series, this Hmm. season. So LeBron James is the all-time career leader in playoff games played. How many games has he played in his 16 different trips to the playoffs, including the one win he already or one game he already has played this season? Randy, whenever you have a guest, uh, guest, guess. Okay, hold on. I'm I'm just doing math here. I'm not no, good at math. Good. Uh, I gotta get a okay, good. Oh God, he's holding something up. Uh, Randy has made his guess. Lewis, what is your guess, sir? I'm going to go with 130. We have a winner in today's fight. Lewis fought Randy well. Four to four tiebreaker. Was it enough to get the win? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis with the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Just win, baby. I'm sorry, Lewis. Randy Carricker was closer on the tiebreaker. His guess was 320. That was 53 off. You guessed 130. The correct answer, 267 games. He will play game number 268 later tonight. You're going to be able to catch that on 101 ESPN. But I'm sorry, Lewis. You got four correct, but the tiebreaker, unfortunately, does not go your way today. All right, I appreciate it. Like you said, you, you, you keep it f- close with Randy, and you, you fought him well here today. Let's go through those answers. Troy Palomalu, one of Kerry's favorite players, out of USC was drafted. I wish that was one of my players. He's one of my teammates. <laughs> one of your, I you know, wish I had Troy Palomalu on my team. <laughs> you know what, though, Kerry? Here's the thing, though. You, you don't want to pay a safety the money that you have to pay a 13th um, pick. You, yeah. So yeah. that's that's why Jimmy Kennedy wound up okay. as a member of your single that That's why. Jimmy you know, Kennedy. You don't Penn want, State. Penn State. You, you don't want to pay a safety that kind of money. Um, so, yeah, let's just let him go to the Steelers and uh, become a home thing. <laughs> Clayton Kershaw just became the 13th pitcher to win 200 games while only playing for one franchise's whole career. Of course, Bob Gibson, the Cardinal on the list there with, with over 250 wins. Jesse Haynes, by the way, did, uh, played with the Reds for two seasons why he's not on that list with 210 Cardinals career wins. On this day in 1997, the St. Louis Rams traded up in the first round to the first overall pick to select Orlando Pace. And the current active MLB active, current MLB active leader in career strikeouts is Max Scherzer. He currently has nine more strikeouts than Justin Verlander with 30,207. Wow. Max Scherzer, 4-4. Thank you so much for joining the fight today, Lewis. You have a great rest of your day. 
You guys have yeah, a great Lewis. day as well. Thanks, Lewis. So what did you what did you just say for Lewis? What did you what was it that you said Thanks for joining th- that I would need what? Good luck. Win, 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 win. This is my fault. I love it. <laughs> Hey, Carrie. Hey. Carrie. Hey. Carrie. Get over it. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Also, no, hold, on, hold on a second, Lewis. You did good. This is for you. Go crazy, Mike. Yeah, he did he did good. Of Jack. course, this is also for Randy. Go crazy, Mike. Go. go crazy. What else just, you got, Randy? Just another day of work, 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 work. Uh, it's light work, though. It's easy work. Oh. For Randy? Yeah, it's easy oh. work. Easy work. That light work. That's just... <laughs> Lewis, he, Lewis did so well. No, because he sucks you guys in. He hears everything I say. Okay, and he can tell me three weeks from now what I said today. So he sucks you guys right in. So consider yourself sucked. Oh, God. <laughs> My apologies, Lewis. Didn't, know, didn't mean for that to happen to you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Randy, Randy, Randy's Sorry. showboating right now. Showboating. But Lewis did a great job. <laughs> I would love to hear this. Oh, man. That's one of the best movies ever. It really is. My Cousin Vinny. Oh, you like that movie? I do. Okay. Well. Ah, uh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Utes. Yeah, two Utes. The two. I would what? love to hear this. <laughs> Uh, you know what Lewis's winning percentage is today? Zero point <laughs> zero. <laughs> it's, Carrie, it's all Carrie's fault. It's all Carrie's fault. <laughs> I love it. All right. Uh, here's the thing with uh, with sports. Is there a youth problem, with uh, a youth problem? <laughs> oh, my God. With sports? It's next <laughs> on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Everybody's dealing with it. I was talking to a manager the other day, and he he's just already shaking his head, and he has a good team. And it's just one of those things where you have so many outside influences. I, I didn't even include the agent, but you've got the agent, you've got the guru, you've got the family, you've got, you know, your buddies, you've got you, uh, your social media, as you mentioned, care. All those things now influence, uh, you know, the perception these individuals have toward what the job is. And it's just, it's, it's unfair, it's unfortunate, it's unprofessional, and it's, it's so unteamed. That is our buddy Mike Claiborne yesterday here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Carrie, Brooke, and Randy. And, and Carrie, I, because you've been coaching high school football and dealing with young people now for half a dozen years, essentially, and longer than that, but you've, as a head coach, you, right. you have. What, and you spend time as an assistant coach. I think people would be intrigued to know what the difference is. When we talk about kids these days, what's the difference between kids these days and what you were introduced to when you first became a high school coach? Well, I, I think it's, you know, I think kids these days are, are they're still kids. That's the most important mm-hmm. thing to remember. Um, but it's just how we interact and how we deal with them. Um, I think, 
you know, our kids now need more information. Whereas, you know, when I grew up, well, my mom said do it, and you didn't ask why. You just said okay. You didn't you didn't need much many reasons as to why you needed to do a certain task. Uh, and you just did it. And I think our kids these days are are more along that line. They want to know why, and so you have to have a sound reason for for explaining to them. Okay, this is why this needs to be done. Um, at the same time, when it comes to athletics there is a standard or a responsibility of the people who are coaching them to make sure that they are not, you know, going uh, well beyond what is necessary or what is needed and, and still holding them to a certain level, to a certain requirement. And I think the issue is um, more times than not, the people that are coaching them, sometimes they want to be friends. Sometimes they want to be, you know, buddies. Sometimes they want to be on the on the on the train that's going to take off and and lead to you know financial success for this person. So it's important to make sure that that as a coach, we are guiding them and holding them accountable because life. Regardless, when you're done playing sports, life is going to hold you accountable for your actions. Well, I think, and I'm sure some teachers or educators could also pipe in on this as well, mm-hmm. is I, my mom was a longtime teacher, and she said she started noticing a difference towards the end of her career, right before she retired, where it went from very early on in her career, you know, a kid would get in trouble, and she was in elementary school, by the way, a kid would get in trouble, and, you know, you'd have the meeting with the parents, mm-hmm. and the parents say, okay, what do we need to do? Yeah. Like, you know, how do we handle this at home, this and that? Then she said towards the end of her career, she got more of parents would come in and say, well, what did you do? Yeah. What did you say to my kid? Yeah. Like, they would point it back, and they would be like, well, can you de- can you discipline the kid at the school? And it's like, no, it all, it starts at home. Right. It always starts at home with the parents. And we're talking about young kids, young athletes starts at home with the parents actually doing their due diligence of teaching their children manners and actually holding them accountable. And it's not fun whatsoever. Sometimes it's just easier to stick an iPad in front of them and say, go handle this on your own and self-regulate yourself and, you know, all (laughs) that kind of stuff. But it. I think that that was really telling to me because you just notice a dramatic difference even early on in early education with children now. And that absolutely crosses over into sports, right? The, oh, yeah. The parents play a big role in whether or not the kid is successful. And it's probably mostly youngsters that they're. I have, let me start with this. I, I have no problem with participation trophies for five, six-year-olds. Oh, you do, five, six-year-olds. But I, I know that, but that's the thing, is that everybody wants to be rewarded regardless of how good they are. And it's, at some point, we, you have to reach a point where you aren't going to be as good as the other person. It, and <laughs> parents fail to understand that. It, it is. It, it's, it's, it, it starts at home. It starts with the parents. It starts with, you know, understanding that you get rewarded for the, the work that you do and you don't get rewarded for the work that you mm-hmm. don't do. It's not, um, you know, the, the participation trophies where everyone I, I tell my I have parent meetings and I tell my parents this. I said this. We have competition. Life is about competition. Every person in this room had to compete with somebody else to get the job that they had. Everybody that's listening had to compete. You you went in on an interview. That's a that's a competition because they interviewed four, five, 10, 15, 20 people, depending on what position it is. And they selected you because you were the best for the position. Mm-hmm. That's competition. Life is based on competition. So your child is not going to play if he's not better than the person that's next to, uh, behind him or, or next to him. He's not going to play if he doesn't know 
know what he's doing. He has to compete and he has to earn that. And I'm not going to give him anything because but the, life he, isn't going to give but him for anything. for second and third grade soccer players? Is, so for me, that's a little bit different because everybody is going to play on that team. Yeah, that's when you're what second, I'm third grade, probably all the way up until... You know, fifth grade, middle school. Once mm-hmm. you get to middle school, the competition it's real. It, it, it becomes a real deal. So when you're younger and you got third graders, I don't think everybody should be vying for a championship. Oh, this, that. no. Let's teach them the right way to play the game. Let's make sure that everybody is involved in getting acclimated and doing the things that they need to do. And more importantly, teach the parents how to be good parents of of young athletes. Mm-hmm. Because if you see some of these parents and how they respond and how they react, you would. Uh, you would be appalled. I don't have the attention span that I had. When you hear Doug Armstrong talking the other day, and I think we all know he was talking about Cairo, right? right? When he talked about playing 18 minutes and giving 18 seconds for the spectacular. I I wonder how much of that is a product of all of us, and especially younger people, just not having the attention span to be able to to comprehend the necessity of being able to play for 18 minutes. I I think... Yeah, that has a lot to do with it, especially with social media. Everything is self-serving now, right? I, I don't know if you guys know it too, but even when I go out about even driving, you feel like you're seeing more road rage incidents or going to the grocery store, somebody just like darts right in front of you to grab something and there's no like, oh, excuse me or things oh. like that. I feel like <laughs> a lot of manners have gone out the door and yeah. it feels like too, with social media, everything is self-serving. And yeah. so you have your perfectly tailored algorithm with your likes, your interests, the things that it knows that you will respond to. Yes. And then you go, out, you go out in the world thinking, well, I'm I'm seeing all this on my social media. Why does nobody else see this? Right. And everybody else is stupid because <laughs> I'm seeing all the right stuff and I'm getting all this information. Why aren't they seeing what I'm seeing? If you go, if I look at your phone compared to my phone yeah. when it comes to social media, we'll have completely sure. different things. Yep. But people... I feel like now do not recognize that. Now imagine you throw a young generation that all they have known is social media and being active on it, being on the computer to get their information. I don't know if library libraries are used as much anymore, but I remember at least growing <laughs> up using I the use Dewey Desk. <laughs> <laughs> well, and but still, a long time ago, you actually <laughs> had to have the discipline to go to the library to research and cite your sources mm-hmm. and actually sit there and figure out if I'm going to write a paper for a school project or something, mm-hmm. I have to have the discipline to go to that library, find that specific book, do my research, write it down, and do that. Now, it takes you five seconds to yeah. find the answer. Right. It, it is. It's it's based on... And then, Brooke, with, with the social media, I read a report some years ago about how like endorphins are released when people get likes. Like It, it gives you this feeling, this warm and fuzzy feeling that you're doing something right because people like what you, you, you posted or what you said. So... If you're doing something that that chemically gives you a response that feels good, you're probably going to continue to do that and not worry about everything else. And here's the thing. We sit here and we talk for at least three hours a day. For us, we go in and have a meeting and uh, sometimes Matthew and uh, Carrie will yell for an hour. <laughs> so, But we aren't living our lives 24-7 on social media. And I think there is a generation now that that is their means of being social is through social media rather than having a conversation. So coach comes to a player, right, and says, here's what I need from you, X, Y, Z. Well, 
uh, I don't know, like we had earlier on Ask Uncle Randy, there are people that just don't know how to communicate face-to-face now. And I don't know if we can ever turn that around. I, I don't think that that's going to change. So I think we're going to have to find a way to get people to communicate face-to-face again. I don't know how we do that. Randy, I've been coaching. This is going into my sixth year. I've coached maybe probably 300 kids in, in that time frame. Every single year, I ask if you. I tell them if you want to know why you're not playing, come ask me. I will tell you the truth. I will give you the honest answer. You're too. You're too slow. You're not. You don't understand the offense well enough. You forget the plays, and you're going to get somebody hurt. I. I will tell them. In that time frame, I've probably had three kids wow. come ask me, Coach, why am I not playing? They don't want to know. They do not want to know because the realistic, the the the, rea- the reality of what's taking place in in their life in real time is different from what they see it as. They want to believe it's something else when in actuality it is this, and you don't want to be confronted mm-hmm. with the real thing. And so I think you have a lot of those kids grow up, and and you don't. It's not just in sports. You see it in life. You see some adults that are completely. You know, crazy, and you're like, oh, you, 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 nobody ever told you that that was incorrect Manor's or that you shouldn't out the door. Yeah. yeah. Can I just give you one more anecdote? And we, we do need to get to our rush hour reset, but I want to give you this one. My son Patrick started. He he was a an intern at Fox Sports Midwest, and this was 2015, so eight years ago. And I told him then, I said, look, you go into that office and you work hard and you ask every night before you, for, when you finish a project, ask what you can do next. When you're done with your day, make sure you say, hey, what can I do next? I said, your work ethic will set you apart from the group of people that you are vying for a job with. And he wound up, actually when he wound up getting hired, they they said to him, we figured you were going to be back. So they never took him off of their, uh, their paperwork there. And, and I, I said the same thing to my daughter who has a really good job. But if I were doing the same thing now, and I, I know this sounds terrible, but I would tell my kids, what's going to set you apart is just showing up every day. And working. Just showing up. Yeah. yeah. You, yeah. And it's if you just show up, you don't even have to have a great work <laughs> ethic. You just show up. And so if you have a youngster that does show up and does exhibit, there's no better young worker than Brooke Grimsley. Mm-hmm. The work that you put in, in, in since you've been here, but before that at Channel 4, I saw it every day. You, you have an extraordinary work ethic. But among people your age, you don't have to be humble here. Do you see it a lot? Um, I, I would say, yeah, there's, I, typically I surround myself mm-hmm. purposely with people who are also of high work ethic and kind of people who challenge themselves. But I do see, there's a lot of times, and I worked with interns and stuff too, where I would say, yeah, I would give you a chance. I would give you a chance early on. Ask me any question. I'm complete open book. Or, I mean, if anybody, you want to reach out to me on social media and ask me questions, you can do that. It's amazing how many just didn't have that want to. And you start to see how rare that want to is. Because here's the thing, I'll give you a chance, but if you don't have any questions or anything like that, or you're not going to ask, like, I mean, one time I was like showing somebody like, hey, you want me to teach you how to edit? And he or she was just like, oh, no, I'm fine. I don't think I'll use it in my career. I said, you will 100% use it in your career. And why would you not want to? learn any editing system whatsoever and i was like well that's it i tried because if you don't have that want to then you're not going to make it far in life whatsoever unless you already have the 64 million dollar (laughs) contract oh Oh. sorry (laughs) that felt direct randy Uh, uh, coming up the rush hour reset here on 101 espn 
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a Rush Hour Reset. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Carrick in the opening drive, 101 ESPN. Adam Wainwright coming up in just a few minutes. But we do want to bring you up to date on the headlines of the day with our rush hour reset. The Arizona Diamondbacks knocking off the Cardinals 8-7 to last night. But... Sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Everything that's wonderful is what I feel when we're together. So, yeah, you, you, you might lose... Eight to seven. Uh, Brooke <laughs> recognizes that that song is in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and somebody I died right after yeah. it. Had, right, right after. Maybe that's the difference in we were talking about children and adults these days. Maybe that's the difference between my generation. Yeah, you look at that as a negative song. I look at it as I see it as song. murder. Well, Ali Marmol. <laughs> yeah, Ali Marmol is a young man, but even after a loss, he was able to find some sunshine and lollipops definitely a positive you're looking at that fourth inning being a combination of some non-plays and some odd to john's point uh balls in play that don't go our way um and uh they put a six spot on us uh, outside of that i thought our pen did a really nice job um i thought our offense responded well and uh it's good to see we talked about it earlier today this afternoon um Contreras starting to get in, in a pretty nice rhythm of driving the baseball. So, yeah, you take a lot of positives out of that. Obviously, you come up short, you want to win that game. But uh, outside of that fourth inning, pretty good. Just take away the fourth inning and everything's golden. Stratton, Romero, Hicks all pitched well. Stratton goes two and a third. He allows one run. Both Romero and Hicks were scoreless. Jordan Hicks, one of the highlights of the night, he threw an inning. He did allow a hit, but he struck out the side and didn't allow any runs. He only threw 16 pitches in his inning of work. Paul Goldschmidt was good. And on the negative side, yes, there were a couple of things. Number one, the failure of the Cardinals to execute a rundown in that fourth inning. And then the, the weird bounced curveball that Nick Ahmed hit for a double to score a couple of runs, make it 4-2 before the Diamondbacks open things up on a Gabe Moreno three-run home run. That, boun- that bounce ball was an interesting one. It was crazy. It was... Uh, <laughs> it was um, it's something I've never seen. It bounced before Ahmed hit it into left field and kind of saw the snowball effect. It, it, but, I, I, Randy, I told you all this earlier, Brooke. I think it's just runners in scoring position, batting average when, when you got guys on base, you know, not grounding into double plays. The second inning, you got bases loaded, one out. You only score one run in that, in that instance. And, and almost, if, if the Diamondbacks decide to challenge it, maybe don't even score that run mm-hmm. because Motter came off of, off of second base and, and was tagged. I think it's just, it just boils down to that. And, and having a consistent lineup that can make timely hits. And, and when you got runners on base, move them over. A runner on third with less than two outs is a significant thing to have. You got a couple of opportunities to get them in. A wild pitch can score them. So just doing the minor detailed things that, that will allow you to win games. I It is interesting because Jordan Montgomery has been really good up until that game. So you just think, you hope, okay, that was just a very weird situation. Things were not going their way. But you do... 
you do have to applaud the way that the Cardinals were able to claw their way back into this one. You like to see Wilson Contreras start to catch fire here. I mean, him in the seventh and the ninth inning, if we can have that continue to happen with him, and he just looks like he's at that level that we've seen before, mm-hmm. kind of the side that you didn't like to see when you're when he was with the Cubs, obviously, but now that he's on our side of things, you like to see that fieriness from him, and it's paying off for the Cardinals because they were able to mount a, a comeback in that one. Now, real quick, if this is okay, mm-hmm. um, Jeff Jones of the Belleville News Democrat Put out this quote. It's very lengthy, but I just want to read this last line to you guys um, from Paul Goldschmidt after the game. He said, basically starting out the quote, I think the rest of the year is going to kind of tell us if we continue, you know, we play well the rest of the year. This will be defined as a stretch that just wasn't our best or breaks that didn't go our way whatsoever. And then going towards the end, he says, the scoreboard doesn't lie, especially over the long run. We have the opportunity to go win a lot of games. If we do that, then that's what we're trying to do. If we do that? If we try to win a lot of games. Yeah, that's the yeah. Thank you, everybody. Uh, well, I, I think so, but the, so it's a very, very long quote. But and CD, you were able yeah. to read this whole thing. What what I took, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but what I took from that was just that if they do go on, you know, a hot streak and they're starting to win games, you know, then this was just a spell where they didn't perform well, balls didn't bounce their way. But if they don't, then they, then come you know July and August, you can say, well, yep, this is who this team has been all year long. So he even says in the middle part. How many games do we have left? 140-something, I'm guessing. If we don't play well, then this will probably be described as something that was foretelling of the future. The good news is that we've got the rest of the season in our control, and I think that that's how we think of it. I think he's right. I think they have plenty of time to get it right, but it doesn't look... Just from a fundamental standpoint, they they aren't playing clean baseball right now, and they need to... And it's been this... It's been lurching. When teams get going, you can tell, and they just haven't gotten going, and maybe they won't get going, but history will tell us, if we look at the Cardinal history, that they, they will be able to get things going. There's your Rush Hour Reset here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, it's Wednesday, and it's time for Wednesdays with Wayno on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Wednesdays with Wayno on the Opening Drive talking life, baseball, and what's going on at Big League Impact with Cardinals pitcher Adam Wainwright on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. It is Wednesday and it is the baseball season. And that means it's time for Wednesdays with Wayno. Our friend, the Cardinal right-hander Adam Wainwright, who is the founder of Big League Impact, is with us. Good morning, Adam. How are you doing this morning? Doing great. Thank you. I got my little helper here. Stay safe with me. <laughs> That's great to hear. So you are starting in Springfield actually this morning on a rehab start. Uh, tell us about your day here, how everything is going to go with you starting in Springfield. Well, I expect it to go great. Got a little, uh, got a little city butcher barbecue in my belly, um, and uh, excited to. Hey, let me. You gotta let me do that. Uh, excited to. Uh, excited to get back out there and pitch on the mound in a real game, and and uh, you know that I, that just is something that will never get old to me. You know, I love competing. I love going out and playing baseball and pitching. And, 
making pitches and thinking through hitters and what they're expecting and trying to defeat that. Like, I love that stuff, man. I love that uh, that that facet of baseball. It's just it's just hard to beat and hard to get anywhere else in the world for me. You know, it's um, that's the thing I'm gonna. That's the hardest thing I'm gonna have a hard time filling that void when I'm done playing baseball is is that competitive um, drive and try to to beat the hitter. I, I, I'm gonna have to take up tennis or something, Randy. It's just going to have to happen. <laughs> Adam, a few years ago, I was talking to Carp, and Carp was playing a lot of golf at the time, and I said, so is that how you feel your competitive void? Is, is that how you're, you're quenching this thirst? And you know, Chris, he, he, he pauses and he looks down and he says, Dude, you got to remember, I was pitching in the World Series, and and it, it seems like it'd be almost impossible to fill that void. It'll be tough. It'll be tough. But I plan on I plan on doing something at at a level that you know, even if it's just like you know, my tennis championship or golf championship or pickleball championship, it's mm-hmm. going to have to be something, man. It's going to have to be something to to fill that up. But but uh, I know one thing these these kids I'm trying to wrangle here this is uh that's going to keep me a full-time job i know that <laughs> adam you talked about being ready a couple of nights ago you made a heck of a play with your hat uh and kind of waved to the crowd giving them uh you know thanks for for acknowledging you uh how, how ready are you uh to get out there and, and really get after it i know you love fielding and you love all aspects of the game not just pitching uh so how, how excited is it to just you know get back started that that may have been a fake um <laughs> and, admiring the crowd that that might have been a fake thing they, they they may not have been on their feet giving me the ovation yeah, I, don't, I don't know if even I the person next to you noticed that you caught the ball I, I, <laughs> I, I don't think they did yeah that that was uh i got a text when i got in from the game from my brother-in-law he was like hey nice catch i'm like oh man they, somebody did see it you know um but uh uncle jay but um, yeah, that was fun, man. I'm, I'm, I am, uh, I'm really looking forward to get back out there and catching real ground balls. So, uh, I took some PFPs yesterday and uh, two days ago, and and uh, just you know, exciting, man. My body's feeling great. You know, I'm looking looking forward to getting back out there. We were all talking about how impressed we were with Jack Flaherty's start. What do you think of that? And also, we saw the frustration and fire from him when he was pulled. You've been in that situation before, where you wanted to stay in the game as long as possible. Can you explain what that feeling is like? Yeah, and it's hard to just turn off, you know. So like you, you, you built your whole week up to to this one moment where you get to go out and pitch and compete, and and uh, you know if you if you have a guy out on the mound that loves being taken out, he's probably not that good a pitcher, honestly. Mm. You know, if you have a guy out there that 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 can't wait for the manager to get out there, he doesn't have that fiery competitive edge that you need to be great at this game and jack is obviously very fiery and competitive and and loves being out there but we're getting to that point of the season where you know you want to see your pitch count stretched a little bit more maybe you know you you uh your your manager is still sort of playing it kind of safe because it's april but uh and i talked to ollie and dusty about this after the moment because you know sometimes sometimes you you're just you can't believe that uh, you're coming out of the game because you're feeling so good. And Jack was cruising, man. He was cruising, cruising, cruising. And then all of a sudden, you know, he gave up a home run and a double and, and, and a walk. But, you know, I think he was um, he was kind of surprised that we had somebody warming up to start that inning. 
And then I talked to Ollie about it. And listen, here's the here's the fact of the matter. And I think they'll make an adjustment because the game is almost too quick now. I really believe that. I think fans are are kind of wanting more, honestly, when they leave sometimes. You know, it takes almost longer to get into the stadium than it does to play the game at this point. But it takes no time at all between batters now. So innings are, on average, about two minutes shorter. So before, when you, when you send a pitcher out later in the game, maybe a sixth, seventh, eighth innings, you could kind of play that by ear. All right, we're going to go batter to batter. We'll have somebody warming up. You know, if somebody gets on or somebody hits an extra base hit or a home run or something, then, then we can get so-and-so up really quick. But now there's no time to do that. So you have to have somebody kind of ready uh, and waiting for that moment when it happens. You know, it, it just there's not time. Like, Dusty gets 30 seconds to go out to the mound and, you know, check on a hitter or a pitcher, I mean, and uh, it's just not enough time to warm up somebody and healthfully get them into the game so, and safely get them into the game. So um, there's so much more uh, learning curve here, and there's so much more new facets to the game that, that Ollie's having to manage through and Dusty's having to, 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 to manage. And, and now pitchers, now, now, now we, we know that. And so, you know, I think – heck is somebody warming up for man i got 80 pitches i'm cruising i haven't given up a run since the first inning i've been going great i've only given up two or three hits you know and he was feeling great and he was looking great he's in total command and like you said our rotation and, and pitching staff has been doing a lot better job which was just a matter of time i mean all the metrics point that way you know there's a lot of really dinky hits early in those couple of series um that that you know, it's hard to explain why all those dropped in. I mean, that Toronto series is unbelievable. But now with the time change and all that, it's just something that can pitchers are going to have to consider and know that hey, managers have to be prepared, man. They can't get caught with their with their with their shoes untied. They got to be ready out there and and uh, prepared for any for any situation. Hey, Adam, it's been tough for Jack with the injuries, and he was people tend to forget how awesome he was before the oblique injury in L.A. in 2021. He led the league in wins, and then I think for a couple of weeks after that, maybe three weeks, he was still leading the league and win so he was pitching great then how close from what you've observed is Jack Flaherty to being back yeah 2021 I mean I finished 17 and what 17 and 7 with just over a 3 I felt like I was doing pretty good well Jack would have had like you know 27 wins that year he was he was uh, when when he went out he was like 9 and 1 I think right or 9 and 2 9 and 1 9 and 2 with like a with like a low 2 ERA uh, and he was cruising, and he was in L.A., and he was pitching great, and then all of a sudden his oblique went out on But um, that was the Jack from 19 that we remember, from that second half of 19. You know, that was him. We, he was back. He was he was doing those kinds of Jack Flaherty things. He's, he's uh, supremely talented. He's a great pitcher. He's got the, the right mindset when he's out there to be great, uh, which is not something that everybody has. Yeah, everybody doesn't have that, number one, that mindset. Uh, Jack's got that number one mindset, and so now we just got to – we just got to give him the ball 32 times this year, 33 times, and, and uh, great things are going to happen because he's got his, he's got some great stuff working again. He's, he's he's commanding the ball again. Those last two starts, he's really commanded the ball really well. Um, and the first two times, I think some of the most impressive pitching I've ever seen. You walk 13 guys in 10 innings and give up two runs. That's kind of amazing, actually. Um, but he has an ability to not give up a whole lot of runs usually, and so uh, that's a great that's a great attribute for a pitcher. Obviously, <laughs> he's, so. he's got that. <laughs> Adam, we know as athletes, the the season every year you got a different team, you got different players on the roster. I was wondering, how is it for you without having Yachty there, uh, as, as he's been there so many years with you? How has this season been so far without him being there in there with you? Well, it's a little different, you know, just not being able to look over there and 
see my old, you know, trusty pair of shoes sitting over there that <laughs> that I've been with forever. And um, you know, you miss your buddy more than anything. I just miss you know seeing his smiling face around every now and then. But uh, I think I think from a from a catching standpoint, Wilson's doing a good job. But there's just no replacing Yadier Molina. I mean, and I think uh, I think as the years go on here, I think Wilson's going to really settle in. Um, I, we love having him in the clubhouse. We love having him as a teammate. He is such a fiery dude, man. He wants to I win bad, yeah. and he's a World Series champion. You know, so um, he's going to help this team, and and uh, we can't wait to to pitch to to Wilson going forward. He, it's just you know, with me, I have so much history with Yachty. Yachty's always going to be my catcher. You know, mm. he's always going to be my catcher. Um, but I look forward to having this season with Wilson and having him be my catcher this year. You know. Do you expect any text from Yadi after a start asking you uh, why you threw a certain pitch or why you didn't throw a certain pitch? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. I got a text from the other day, and uh, he's been busy coaching kids in Puerto Rico, but I got a text from the other day that said, I'll be watching, you know, and, and I know he will, and, and he'll be, which all that means is he'll be judging, you know. <laughs> it is Wednesdays with Wayno, Adam Wainwright with us, and more coming up after this on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Adam Wainwright with us on 101 ESPN, and we're going to talk about Big League Impact before we uh, we, we stop talking today. But Adam, I, I wanted to ask you about some of the comments Doug Armstrong made about the Blues. I don't know if you saw them, but he said he's, he's trying to figure out what makes young athletes tick. Here you are. You're, you're a guy that is intensely competitive, and you want to be there, and you want to compete every day. Are you seeing a difference in young athletes? And if so, how do you how do you deal with the difference in young athletes? Say that again. Am I seeing what? Uh, just a difference in their level of competitiveness, their level of desire to, to be. You mentioned that Jack has the mindset. It seems like there are other guys, especially younger ones, that just don't necessarily have that mindset to, to go out and be great on a regular basis or all the time. Well, I don't – I mean – Listen, I think the world has changed a bit since when I was coming up. You know, you, the last thing, the last thing sports needs is a dinosaur like me telling everybody that it, you know it ain't like it once was. I, I don't think anybody wants to hear that. You know, um, the the mindsets changed to, from from everyone, from front offices, not just athletes, from off, front offices and how they deal with with players also. So uh, it's not just a player thing. It's it's uh it's a league wide sport wide you know nationwide worldwide thing that's changed you know and and uh and how we deal with athletes even you know from when I was coming up from when Ryan was coming up it was totally different Nolan Ryan threw two hundred pitches in games you know he threw he threw forty pitch forty starts a year and and you know Bob Gibson threw twenty eight complete games in one year I mean like they would never ever in the world let me do that even mm-hmm. if I had 90 pitches through eight innings every single time, they would not let me do that. You know, that would just not happen. Um, so uh, it's, it's, it's changed a bit with how they do, with how they, 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 how they manage athletes. But, you know, with that, I mean, just sorry, let's compare that from a pitching standpoint. Now, as players, because I can't speak into the hockey world, uh, Randy, I just don't, I don't have the, the, 
the know-how and the expertise to speak into something like that without, you know, I just don't have the experience. Understood. I can speak into baseball and I can speak into pitching and I can speak into young athletes in that regard. And nowadays, um, I think it's a mindset thing. So uh, a starting pitcher coming out of double A might think that he's just nailed it when he went five innings. You know what I mean? Mm. The, 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 not maybe not the coaching staff, but probably the coaching staff in the front office is telling them, you know, give me everything you got for as long as you can go, four or five innings. But as soon as your stuff starts to fail, then we're going to take you out and put in, you know, four different relievers or maybe a, a piggyback you with somebody else. When I was coming up, it was, uh, it was about, you know, finding your way through those struggles. Once your stuff starts to fade, uh, make adjustments, continue to pitch, figure out ways to get out no matter what you're working with that day. Um, and, and I don't know if that's the same way as it once was. Also, guys were throwing 95 to 100 miles an hour now, so it's totally different. There was no one doing that when I was coming up. You know, that was, that was, you would have been like a unicorn. You know, Josh Beckett was doing that. Um, you know, very few other pitchers were doing that. Felix Hernandez was doing that. Maybe Zach Greinke for a short time was doing that. But, but, but not, not simply, not everyone. You know, and now everyone's coming out of the bullpen, 95 plus. Everyone's starting is, you know, you, it's nothing to see every rotation have at least one guy sitting 97, 98, it seems like. So, you know, those expectations might need to be different uh, a, a little bit because of uh, the arm strength and the amount of explosive athletes we have now. Maybe you can't pitch like that anymore. So, you know, it's just uh, athletes are different now. They're better now than they ever have been. I don't think anyone's arguing that. Everyone's bigger, stronger, faster than ever. Um, maybe minus the steroid era where everyone was really, really big and strong. <laughs> but um, it's a it's a tough question because – uh, because athletes are different. But I will say I think the mindset changed a little bit. Expectations. I wish expectations for starting pitchers, and I think that will come ar- back around because I think once guys start realizing they aren't making as much money and um, their careers aren't as long, I think they'll start pitching again. You know, I think they'll start not being – so many throwers. I think there'll be more pitchers, but uh, time will tell. And Adam, to your I don't point, know. That's a really long answer no. to your question, and I don't know if I nailed it, but uh, you did. that was and, my attempt at it. And it's it's salient and it's strong, and especially because you mentioned front offices. To your point, when you were a rookie, forty-five guys in Major League Baseball threw two hundred innings. Last year eight guys through 200 innings. And that's not on the pitchers. That's on the people that are making the decisions as to how many innings guys are throwing. Well, it should have been nine, but I choked down the stretch last year. Andy. <laughs> true, true. You didn't choke. You um, got hurt. I think I ended up with 191 innings or something, 192 innings, and that was only because I absolutely fell on my face in September, which was just embarrassing. But, um, yeah, I, and, and, but here's the other, and here's the other thing I will say. Um, you know, the the – the computers will tell you, you know, third time through a pitcher's the on base, the slug goes up, the on base goes up, the batting average goes up, the power numbers go up. Um, fewer pitchers are allowed to go that way to really learn how to do that. So that's one reason that happens. Uh, two, it, you know, there's just, it's as hitters and the information that they have now, the, the more times they see you, the more that goes up. So there's a tricky balance here where, where the, the manager really wants your starting pitcher, of course, to go farther into games. Um, your front office, of course, wants you to go farther into games, but they also want you to do it with, like only giving up no hits. 
so that that way you face the lineup only two times. It's really tough. There's a delicate balance there. You know, there, there's uh, there's this thing where, you know, afterwards, after games, you might hear like, oh, you know, just need our starting pitchers to go farther, but he was pulled out with 80 pitches. You know, like your starting pitcher can definitely go more than 80 pitches. Um, but there's these numbers that say that maybe he shouldn't. So it's a tough thing, man. It's not easy managing today's game with all this information and and uh, with bullpens the way they're they're managed. It's really tough, man. It's not an easy thing to be a manager and pitching coach nowadays. It's a lot of stuff. No, and we were and we were talking about the young people too. You know, a good way to get those young players and get the interest of young people: a SpongeBob SquarePants theme night, right? SpongeBob SquarePants theme afternoon, twelve o'clock game, <laughs> twelve o'clock game, and then uh, and uh, on Wednesday in spring or today in Springfield, um, you know, you're about to have to hang up with y'all and and get after this thing. But uh, I'm excited to get back out there. There'll be a lot of kids out there. Hey, kids, heads up, man! Keep your eyes on the swivel. Keep your head on the swivel. Pay attention. Don't get hit in the face by. A line drive, you know. Hopefully I won't give up any line drives. Maybe soft bloopers, pal. Heads up for soft bloopers. Adam, do you love the fact when you watch SpongeBob SquarePants that they have NFL Films music? That to me is what there, there's humor that we get as our, our, uh, the adults of the kids, but our kids love it too. That is the genius of the show. Well, I, I, I'll be honest. I don't know a whole lot about SpongeBob SquarePants. It's great. I never really got into that. Um, I never really got into that uh, as a kid or as an older kid, but... Um, I will take your word for it. It's great stuff. You you got to check it out sometime. <laughs> Indeed, SpongeBob is uh is definitely the way to go. Hey, Adam, when you're looking at your at the team right now, what are a few things that you think could help be uh, help help the team be more consistent uh, in in picking up more wins? Well, you know, I loved my time with the WBC. I loved it. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. That was one of the highlights of my baseball playing career. Everybody who said that, everybody who played in it said that. Uh, I talked to Tyler O'Neill about it yesterday. He said that. You know, and they didn't even go as far as as he wanted to but he said man just different right but all right think consider this for a second goldie arenado michaelis wainwright edmund newt bar uh and several others all pulled out tyler o'neill all pulled out these are these are everyday players for the most part uh crucial to the central your lineup and in pitching staff um pulled out of the entire spring training um, to play. And, and I do think it's a thing, man. You know, I think it's a thing where uh, it might take a little time to gel as, as a unit afterwards, uh, come together as a unit, get used to playing every day with, with that group. And I, I think that's something to consider, not a total excuse, but something to consider. Um, also, uh, in talking with my wife last night, we're, we're 7 and 10 right now. Not good. Not anyone's goal. Not anyone's dream of a season to start. But it feels like we've lost every game. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's very doom and gloom right now. We're three games under five hundred. You know, you have a good week. Let's say we win seven games in a row, which is definitely possible with this team. And we've seen us win 17 in a row, so don't tell me we can't win seven in a row. <laughs> uh, if we win seven games in a row, all of a sudden we're 14 and 10, or people are going, oh, okay. All right, now let's just, you know, let's just, all we need is this one thing or whatever. And instead of let's get a whole new pitching staff and let's get, you know, whole new coaching staff and all this, it's just this, uh, it's very tough to judge in two weeks of baseball. It just is, you know, and, and uh, what we need to do, we do need to come together as a unit more. We need to play 
We need to play better baseball, which we are very capable of doing. We're going to do. We need to get the bigger hit. We need to continue to keep pitching better and better each time we go out there. We need to make the big pitches, and we need to make the big hits. And so far, we're getting people on base sometimes. We're just not getting the big hit to score them to get those runs in, especially we've struggled this year so far with runners on second, third, no out situation, one out situation, get that run home. These guys know that. Our coaches know that. You know, we know we're capable of doing a lot better than we have. Um, And we need to get better at making those big pitches and and big moments, and and we will. So, I mean, that's what we need to do. It's as simple as that. Keep The the simpler the better, right? Like that saying, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. That's what we need to do. We need to make big pitches. We need to make big swings, good swings, and uh, we're going to be just fine. We have the personnel here to be a very good baseball team, win this division, and go deep into the playoffs, and we'll see what happens. Adam Wainwright, so many great things happening with Big League Impact. I know I'm looking forward, as we are as a group, to June 11th over at Top Golf for Swinging for Impact. That was a great event that you had last year. And what else, what are some of the other things you're looking forward to with Big League Impact in 2023? Well, we've just got uh, we've got a lot of really cool things right now. We're doing some serving opportunities around the league and different teams, and going in different cities and helping out. We're doing some cool things there. But you know, really, right now, what we're just promoting this Top Golf event. I can't wait for this Top Golf event. Last year it was so fun. We filled it out. We had a we, we had a full house. We raised tons and tons of money for those in need around St. Louis and other people. And so, um, right now, you can go to uh, to bigleagueimpact.org/topgolfstl and sign up um, to join in with the fun. We're, we've already had some some good sponsors join in. We need some more sponsors, though. Anybody out there, businesses listening, you know, we'd love for you to buy a bay and, and be a big sponsor for our group so we can go out and help more people. Um, but, uh, yeah, we've got some, some top golf ahead. We've got some fantasy football ahead. We've got some other uh, events going on with, with different guys around the league, and you can check it all out at bigleagueimpact.com. And before we let you go, uh, last thing. You, you start today. Safe to assume that you will be pitching maybe next week in San Francisco for the Cardinals? Well, you never can tell. I, I think I have two rehab starts, Randy. Okay, okay. Um, I think I do. Uh, we'll see. You know, if I go out here today and punch out 15 guys, though, in five innings, uh, that might change. We'll see what happens. But I, I, I think they really want me to get to get really stretched out, be prepared to step in and, and be a quality pitcher for the rest of this. Uh, this this run we're going to try to make to the to the to the World Series. Okay, so hopefully we'll have a Wainwright Kershaw matchup in L.A. Then that'd be fun. You always like that'd that. Be fun. You always like that. I always love that. I love I love him uh, as a person and as a competitor, and I love competing against him. He's one of the best. Wayno, you are too. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Have a great start today, and we will talk to you soon. Okay, thanks, guys. See you. Appreciate it. That is the great Adam Wainwright joining us here on 101 ESPN as he does every Wednesday, Wednesdays with Wayno. And you can go to bigleagueimpact.org, sign up for Swing for Impact at Top Golf in early June. And we're going to be there. We're uh, here at 101 ESPN, an official sponsor. So we'll have a bay and we'll see how far Kerry hits the ball that day. Kerry can hit it. He challenged me yeah. the last time. He, yeah. he, he thinks he's, well, we, we, we shall see. It's going to be. I can swing for the fences, literally, at mm. Top Golf. Yeah. And that as he mentioned, you don't get points for hitting it out of top golf. Well, we'll see if one of us can do that. <laughs> yeah. I've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> Rock and roll is coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today.
time for the favorite segment of the day that we have. It's Rock and Roll from Matthew Rock Yo. Well, let's talk about something that's fun to talk about here. We got a lot of negativity in the text line. Well, let's 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 gloss all past this to one of the coolest stories uh, of the, of the week, and that has to be Demar Hamlin getting cleared to resume football activities. Absolutely amazing. Love that for him. And I really just loved his comments about where his mindset is right now. My perspective has always been, even before this situation, it was it was a blessing even just to make it to the NFL. Um, but to make it out of my situation um, with almost without a scratch on me and to have all the blessings come in my way, you know, it's just been one of those things where you – I'm just trying to figure out the best way to, to repay it. You know what I mean? And um, – I've been beating statistics my whole life, you know, and some people might say that coming back to play might not be the best option, but that's their opinion. And um, like I said, I've been beating statistics my whole life, so I like my chances here. Tell you what, for a clone or a body double, he's eloquent. Oh, yeah. my God. I hate that. I hated that stuff last season where everybody said he was a clone. Uh, not everybody, just stupid people. I know, but it's like, it, but now it, that stuff like catches fire and people are like picking apart every little thing. You know what I'm talking about. You saw that, right? We had the, the person earlier that said he was an introvert and, and stays in the house. That's why I stay in the house. I stay away from dumb people. The, the dumbness rubs off when you when you go outside and talk to these people. Like, hey, he's a clone. <laughs> Sit your dumb ass down over there in the corner. Get away from me. I don't like. I don't like just ignorant ignorance. Mm-hmm. Is it, it? It rubs off on you if you're around it long enough, and you will become ignorant as well. I don't know if you all knew that. Or not. I get a chuckle out of it. Which yeah. and, and and I made the joke only because it adds to just how how awesome it is the fact that people didn't think that he could be in the hospital you know room responding and talking to his team the way that people were responding that that started all those dumb rumors to show that the fight he's made it already you know before even the draft to get in back into the point where he's medically cleared to play football again it it was a horrible story what had happened but everything since then has has been a positive and a good story to watch and cool that he's coming back yes, yes. I had a lot of people asking me is he going to play again is he I said if he gets cleared he will play again mm-hmm. because. That's what we do. We play football. We are, you know, we don't mind running into people, and we understand, you know, I, I people ask me, would you have played again knowing the concussion issue? Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to have known what a concussion was. I didn't know. I've had multiple in my life. I thought you had to go to sleep, but, uh, you know, I thought that that was what you were concussed, but I didn't know that there were other levels of concussions, and, and I've had multiple, and I would do it again. Sorry, did you say your first reaction when you got a concussion was to go to sleep? No, I thought oh. you. I thought I thought the only time it was a concussion was when you were put to sleep. Oh, like you had to be snoring on the field. That was a concussion to us. Teddy Bruschi came back with a hole in his heart. There you go. Yeah, I can't. That explains so much about the the, the concussion mentality of the NFL. That's that's where you were when you were actually you got, playing in the only NFL. Only time you thought you were concussed was when you were when you went to sleep. Now I've walked into the wrong huddle. I've been <laughs> not, I've not been, a sign. Yeah, I thought it was a mild concussion. Rock, I didn't know that <laughs> you got a part concussion. Yeah, there was levels to it, but it was a concussion. Guys, last weekend I was at Mobile on the Run. I have a tendency to go there now and then. Okay, and I have a white Honda Pilot. Go get my drink, come out of Mobile on the Run, getting ready to get into my white Honda Pilot, open the door. There is a woman that's a complete stranger sitting in the seat, in the passenger seat. Oh, my God. I said, 
I have a white Honda Pilot, I swear. <laughs> I slammed the door shut. It was another white Honda Pilot. I just had my head down probably on my phone. And uh, I even pointed. I, I walk around because I know she was scared to death. I said, I have a white Honda Pilot right there. <laughs> she probably thought you were like yelling at her, going yeah, crazy. Yeah. And she's just like, oh, my I, God, I, what I, a scary I said, oh, situation. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> look for the white, the correct car Fantastic. or the correct huddle. That's yeah. the case maybe. I, well, Randy, I didn't know. I, I, they were, they, it was Northwestern. It was in college. Oh. And I was walking. Clearly, and and Luke Buckus, nephew of the great Dick Buckus, mm-hmm. grabbed me and said, "What the hell are you doing?" And we're, I said, "Oh, <laughs> okay." <laughs> He's like, "No, go that way. Get to the sideline, man. You can't come in this huddle. <laughs> Crazy." Being a Buckus awesome. in Illinois is probably uh, not half bad. Not not bad at all. Yeah. <laughs> guys, Luke, Zach, they're my guys, man. I wasn't able to. I'm not able to get into a, a, a secondary topic I had here because we're short on time. But I brought up the quarterback. Uh, helmets last week with the concussions and it brought me into a question I've always wanted to ask a professional football player on the radio which is Carrie you go into the equipment room you're on a new team and they say what helmet do you want face mask wise is there any rhyme or reason that you're picking it despite despite I want to look as cool as possible no you go you 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 I ask we call it the Emmett Smith or the Deion Sanders helmet that's what we wanted with the (laughs) three bars and then two bars on the side the two bars on the side you know yeah that that the small oh there's two bar two bar yeah, okay. two, two and three, or two. It, it didn't matter as long as you okay. had those two bars right on the outside of your eyebrows. Those were that's the helmet I wanted. I, I couldn't tell you which one would protect me from concussions because I didn't know what a concussion was. Rock. I've always had a theory Just that NFL about players what it looked like. I remember, like I changed, I changed like the face mask in Madden when I play it. I'm always like, do NFL players like go through like I just want to oh, yeah, look you cool get when right I'm one. out there. And I've always thought there's that's the only reason they're picking these face masks. It's got nothing to do with like what what can I see through? Is there an obstruction? No. Like well, the, for the, some, the size guys, of it. You got to You got. I mean, you depending on the position, you got to be able to see. And then some positions you don't want to get poked in the eye because you know offensive linemen, defensive linemen, they are very uh, handsy. So is that why the guys who got the full nasal was just because they were worried about people uh, poking yeah. in the eye? You don't want to get. You ever been poked? You ever been eye gouged? I've never Brock? been full on eye gouged. No, yeah, it's not a great thing. Well, they pretty much outlawed silicone on the jerseys by the time you played. Yeah, we didn't have like yeah. on the exterior. Yeah, defarted yeah, that all would, the time. We would get the offensive line, defensive lineman would get, randomly get patted down on the way out okay. to, to yeah. the field to make sure it was nothing on their jerseys. So if, yeah. if I see a nose tackle and he doesn't have the and he doesn't have the middle bar and he doesn't like have a, a, a visor or anything, he's just crazy. Him. That dude's just crazy. Just walk in the other direction. Oh man, okay. Yeah. Just, just that's, walk. Away. That's a good thing to know. Yeah, I mean, if he has enough room to stick a full fist in his face mask. And he and he's not care. worried about it. Just keep, just just go the other way. <laughs> the Indian Rover yeah. told the story, and then Conrad Dobler, the late the late Conrad Dobler, verified it. Uh, Merlin Olson stuck his fingers into Conrad's face mask. And Conrad bit his finger. There you go. He said, well, yeah. what am I supposed to do? He put it there. Yep. <laughs> I just never Keep thought about feet and other objects I, to yourself. You I've never thought school. about the message a defensive lineman sends from not having either a nasal guard or a visor. Yeah, it, I, I, now I see it. I thought he I always thought Little nuts. Giants with the Mentos was the only way to do that, but apparently there's another way. Yeah, Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Uh, that's our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Uh, Brooke, did you have a fun hump day? I did. Good. I'm I glad. really did. Sunshine and lollipops hump day. Lollipops. It really was. <laughs> CD, how about you? Was it sunshine and lollipops for you, even though the Cardinals lost? It was, I guess. Uh, we have a balloon party. Speaking of sunshine lollipops, T-Mac and Ajax coming up here on 101 ESPN, followed by BK and Ferrario, and then at 2 o'clock, it's the Fast Lane. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us. Until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.